0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lions of In Session. I'm your host, Lee. I am here. I am joined by my co-host, Spencer. Spencer, how are you?
1: Doing well, man. Glad or have mixed feelings that we're now no longer recording in the same room together.
0: Yeah, for anybody who listens to our Ted Lasso podcast, we talked about the fact that Spencer and I spent the weekend together. Not just us. Although that would be nice and romantic. It was us and a group of friends down in New Orleans. It was a lot of fun. And we actually recorded a podcast in the same room. We are not recording this podcast in the same room. I am in lovely, swampy Washington, D.C., and he is back in lovely, swampy Florida.
1: We had to pick swamps in different parts of the country,
0: really, just so we could still,
1: you know, have a commonality, but still be in different rooms.
0: But we are here to record an episode of Lana Succession where we're going to review episode four of season four of Succession called Honeymoon States. Spencer, what did you think of the episode?
1: one quite a bit. I mean it, it did it it had a bit of more of a calm feeling, like there was a bit of a chance to draw a breath after what was just a Wait, k- a
0: con con feeling? Like you're a con head, like it was a con or episode?
1: Uh that too, yeah, we'll get into that. But I more meant calm, where this felt like an opportunity to take a breath. It felt like a little bit of an opportunity to kind of arrange the pieces after the dramatic overturning of the game that we had in the prior episode. But that said There were still moments in this episode where you saw me. We were watching it together. I was literally holding my breath just how tense the scenes were that we were having. The show doesn't let up, even in moments of where it clearly indicates this is their attempt at, you know, taking the foot off the pedal just a little.
0: So if you've been following us this season, I have been floating a theory that uh, Carrie, who was Logan's personal assistant, was also Logan's estranged daughter, Mm -hmm. where the... Strong implication on the show. I mean, they've strongly, strongly implicated on the show. Multiple characters said it, that she was, in fact, Logan's mistress. Spencer held firm in the face of all of my conspiracy theories saying she was Logan's mistress. And in this episode, we got a line from Carrie directly to Roman. If you look at the uh, subtitles that says he said we were going to get married. So I'd like to pour one out real quick for my theory that Carrie was actually an estranged daughter. She was not. She was most certainly Mistress. Chalk one up for the home team. Spencer gets the W.
1: In fairness, we could still be in a world of Targaryens or, you know, Ptolemaic Egypt. It's still at least possible.
0: I have a question for you. Did you feel sorry for Carrie this episode?
1: Yes. I I never,
0: ever thought I'd feel sorry for that character, but I did this episode.
1: I mean, even though she was showing up at the funeral for purely mercurial purposes she was still at her worst moment and people were just dragging her over the coals. Roman was the one who came to help her emotionally. Roman.
0: That's how low she was. And Marsha
1: pulled her over glass before she let her leave that building.
0: I'll tell you, we, we did talk about it last episode. I sort of predicted it. And and when I threw it out there, you latched onto it, said you thought it was probably something they would do that Marsha would would return, and you know what yeah. she, was? Epic she was. Let me tell you what what she was. She was um in the nineteen. I'm a, everybody who listens to Mangum Talks knows I'm a big wrestling fan. In 1992, Ric Flair made his his entrance into the WWE via the Royal Rumble at entry number two, and the swagger that that man had when he walked to the ring to introduce himself to WWE, I felt like that was Marsha returning to the Roy family oh. this episode. She was, she was a wrestler. Her you know, shoulders were cocked. She was swagger. She was giving everybody shit. Master of her domain.
1: And it was a moment of where everyone entered the room with their own assumptions about how the game would be played, only to arrive and find that the game master has returned. The queen is here. She is ruling this roost, and you are merely operating in it. It was impressive to see how much her official title gave her the any command that she wished on the on this day
0: well and all the very intimate chats she had every morning and every night with logan that we all know about i mean that was obvious
1: absolutely 100 percent. to the point that as we're seeing in several scenes she's already starting to recruit her own cotidary around her as well colin first and foremost
0: so funny okay so we are going to go through our normal segments here on line of succession i will lead a recap spencer will chime in witty anecdotes funny witticisms Maybe some musings, probably a lot of advice. And then we will jump okay. to best line of the episode, Roy of the episode and Spencer's relationship advice of the episode where Spencer will look at all of the very healthy relationship dynamics that are portrayed on succession and give us all some relationship advice based on the events of the week.
1: Mm-hmm. Count on it.
0: <clears throat> all right. So do you want to get into the recap?
1: Yes, sir. Get going.
0: Okay. So before we do that, we had somebody write in and... Uh, they said, hey, when you guys talk about the actors, you say the guy who played Greg instead of saying the guy's name, right? And the person wanted to know, why do you do that? Well, it's a pretty simple answer. Uh, we don't know the actors names. (laughs) We've never bothered to learn them. Uh, we, while, you know, while this person may be listening to Succession, uh, Spencer and I do a, we review a lot of television shows. We've reviewed everything from Obi-Wan, Mandalorian, Boba Fett to, uh, Ted Lasser to Succession to last of us to everything game of thrones on and on we go and to learn all of the actors names would be in the realm of 150 200 names for all of the actors that are on all of the shows that we follow so we just haven't happened to learn them however spencer did say did spencer you said you were you were very happy to learn the actors names right is that what you said
1: i think my exact words were i prefer to call him apollo creed whatever the hell his name is i think that was more of my exact words
0: yeah, so sorry it frustrates you. I I I don't think Spencer's very interested in doing better about this, but I will try to do a little bit better about this. I'm sorry you're frustrated, but thank you for listening. Thank you for writing in. Also, so let's jump. Go ahead.
1: Also, look behind the curtain. Uh, I think it took me about a solid year and a half before I re- reliably called you by name. So this may be a trend that extends beyond simply the podcast.
0: You're, are you like Hulk Hogan? You do the "Hey brother," like because you don't know my name, anybody's name. You just call everybody brother or man or something. I,
1: I I had an extended period, extending from high school through early college, if I refer to everyone as "Hey man" or "Hey mate," just so I could avoid the need of having to fake remembering their name in any given moment.
0: Oh, holy shit! I just had the the really strong memory of you calling me mate for a really long time, and That's now you know why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, It wasn't a great wasn't names. a term of endearment establishing. Wasn't a term of endearment; okay, so, it was a term of indifference. I'll try to do better, and maybe by osmosis, Spencer will pick up the names. But mm. uh, that's about the best we can promise because we do follow an awful lot of television shows. So let's jump into episode four, "Honeymoon States." I, you know what I do appreciate about this episode from the jump? Mm. That Wyla, Wyla gets the title.
1: She does. It's Wyla's
0: quote that gets the title.
1: She gets the title, and she gets some. She gets a couple punches in a way we've not seen out of her in this episode too.
0: Well, she's comfortable. She's got the title. So. She's in the family. The previously on, it's pretty much all about Logan's death, but there is a reference to Jerry being fired. They want to make sure we know that Jerry did in fact get fired. We got this quote from Kendall. Mm-hmm. What we did today is always what we did the day our father died. And then this from Wyla. I'm not going to walk. So we start with Kendall, who's pretty broken. Um, in the morning, it looks like maybe he slept a little or didn't sleep at all. Cut to Roman. He looks absolutely fine. This is the, this is the, the, the side by side of me and Spencer and waking up in the morning. Spencer's Kindle. <laughs> didn't sleep. Broken. Yeah. I've had ten I've had ten full hours on brushing do, my teeth.
1: Do, do you actually drink out of the faucet when you brush your teeth? Are you that alive and alert alert in the morning?
0: I'll tell you this, I do not do that. I always cup. I always do the cup of cuppers, water through the, in, in the hands. Yeah, absolutely. And Shiv, who is still in bed and gets a phone call, we don't see who it's from i tried to pause that to see who it's from i could it was very blurry but she answers and it's fairly formal and we get sh- good morning siobhan sorry to bother you today as the conversation goes on it's clear that she's getting medical results from she a from a doctor
1: sharon hasford
0: she hears it's a good result the journey we went on the amniocentesis everything looks healthy so she <sighs> is pregnant
1: you've had theories on this all season
0: Yeah, I thought they would do this. You know, like I saw some people complaining, like, I can't believe they're giving the one woman in the show a pregnancy arc. It's like, wait a second. You can't believe they're doing a pregnancy arc on a show called Succession? It's
1: kind of in the name.
0: (laughs) It's kind of wheelhouse for them. I think this is great. I think this is going to add a wonderful dynamic to the the character for, you know, possibly setting this character up with a happy future, which I really hope for her. But then also a a really interesting conversation she's eventually going to have with Tom.
1: And we've been commenting at several moments about, hey, it's interesting that the character's like getting drinks but not actually drinking. And we wondered whether it was just the fact that the actress, I think, may have been pregnant during this time. But it's like, no, nope, nope, they've been hinting at this for a while.
0: Yeah. and But the actress also was pregnant during this. Yes. That is, that is something to note. Uh, Sarah Snook very much pregnant. I think she's maybe about a, a month away or something from having a child. She's, she's pretty close. So, Good for her. um She says, great. And it doesn't seem great, I'll tell you that, when she says great. She mentions getting a 20-week... The the doctor mentions getting a 20-week scan. Shiv thanks her and then lays back in bed. A lot of emotion hitting her. And then...
1: You you can even tell in the doctor's reaction. Like, the doctor was expecting something more out of her, but when Shiv was just saying, great, and then just letting silence reign, you could hear the doctor go, okay, um, moving on to the next data point I have on my chart.
0: And then we get... I think the sixth to last. I'm gonna miss the intro music so much.
1: What 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 if could you summarize what you think is go the emotion going through Shiv's head as she's processing her mourning with this news?
0: Um, you know, I think there's probably a temptation for self pity. For like of all the times, you know, I've been wanting to have a kid for so long, and then it, then it happens now, like this isn't fair. I think there's probably a lot of that. There may be still like ten percent joy because you know she's still like she's gonna have a kid, right, like that's what she wanted, so somewhere down deep, maybe there's some joy there, and then I've k I think that the 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 most pressing matter of the day is how in the high fuck do I tell Tom about this?
1: hey, are we assuming it's even Tom's?
0: Well, no, not necessarily
1: it's it, 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 Tom would be a possible choice, but to use Tom words, she has gobbled the odd side dick on occasion.
0: Well, and also she got the, um, she, she had the treatment, right? Cause she did that while she was on break with Tom last season.
1: I remember that. Yeah. I forgot about that too.
0: Right. So it, it could be uh, any number of, of potential. Funds. I mean, she's going to have to tell Tom eventually though, cause she's going through the divorce with Tom. So she's going to have to tell him eventually. Um, so let me see Kendall get out of a limo and go inside his dad apartment. Photographers are clicking away. Then we see Hugo. And he's Talking he says this. someone. He says this in the background.
1: Yes. To his...
0: You, no. you fucked me. You fucked me here. What you've done, Juliet, is taken a strap on and you fucked me right in the ass. Call me, please.
1: Let's not bury the lead. lead who's Juliet?
0: His daughter. Estranged <laughs> <Dear> daughter. Dear God. Estranged?
1: <laughs> uh, uh, this, this word choice alone would suggest a certain element of estranged.
0: Yeah, well, you know who wasn't estranged? Uh, tell me. Kendall and his father. Doesn't like no, the be estranged. No, no. Do not say estranged. They
1: nope. had an f- intimate family meeting the day before. How'd it go? Well. A uh, musical, you might say.
0: Kendall walks in. It seems a bit gobsmacked. As soon as he walks in, Marsha hugs him. So there she is. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marcia. Looking we some, regal. Wish we had some intro music for Marsha. I mean, she's one of my favorite characters, I gotta say.
1: Uh, absolutely. I... I you, the mere suggestion that you had that she'd be back on the show, that was enough to make me giddy, much less her return in style here.
0: I am right there with you. I got really hyped at the idea of Marsha coming back. Love, love the character. She just – she drops some lines that are just so fun. She says, sorry for your loss to Kendall. And I remember we were watching this together, and she said, sorry for your loss. And I, I know I talk too much during these shows for your take, but I, I in the back, I don't know if you heard me, I was like – as if she didn't lose anyone yeah. like you know she's saying sorry for your loss as if she's a visitor yeah, and he's like, like likewise <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it, it was it was so delightfully imperial which is so much looking down from the mountain oh i'm sorry little peasant that you've suffered this loss we are the world is here to support you
0: she says it's a terrible shock kendall ask him um kendall ask her when she got in and she, she didn't bury the lead. She jumps right after it. She says, uh, we spoke every morning and every afternoon. So I came in as soon as I heard. You know, it it seems like this is setting the table for like the vast majority of characters. And it's basically a one-act play, right, mm-hmm. is this episode. Everything, almost everything happens in just basically this one house. stage. Yeah. And the vast majority of characters we see on the stage are posturing in some way. And Marcia starts it right out by saying, we spoke every morning and afternoon.
1: this is her we were not estranged kind of line and it's interesting of where we don't know whether it's true we don't know whether she's full of shit kendall doesn't know but he seems to believe her based on his reaction and is caught off guard by it
0: here's the thing when he when she said let me tell you what i believe i mean i can break it up very cleanly when she says we spoke every morning and every afternoon i came in as soon as i heard i believe that then she said, "We were very close. It was complicated, but we spoke intimately every evening." I don't believe that.
1: That one. I so mean, I believe
0: she- the first part. I think she. I think she went a little off the rails. In the second part, so it's my guess.
1: I, th- I think it is possible that I think Logan would have deemed it appropriate that if he maintained some ongoing connection with her. Whether it's that they still had intimate conversations, whether she was still his number two, ah, It seems like I am with you. I think. I think that's pushing a bit.
0: Well, remembers Marsha's Marcia role because the very the opening scene of the show. Is Logan getting confused in the morning and pissing in a closet?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: Marsha. we all thought was his nurse to start with, the way she was Very treating politely him,
1: politely and supportfully and carefully, is there for him and gestures him back into bed.
0: So for the first couple, first couple seasons. We established that, yes, she's his wife, but she's also caretaker, partner, business partner. She's so much more. Mm-hmm. And so just because he's stopped having sex with her, he's hooking up with Carrie. I don't think that that role necessarily went away. So I could see him calling hey. her and saying things like, hey, what about the payment on this thing or the purchasing of that or the sale of this? And she's handling all that stuff.
1: Hey, as she says, it was complicated.
0: Kindle says, OK, and just sort of walks away. More melancholy music room and, and Kendall are uh or, or sorry roman and shiv are sitting in a room and kendall walks toward them sid peach who is there still hasn't been fired mm-hmm. uh, apologizes to kendall says, "I'm so sorry for your loss so then we get uh oh and then ravenhead yeah, mark, also is there Did mark ravenhead mark Raven?
1: our regular reader of mind comp is there as well yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so we have at least one nazi um, i suspect more but Jeff, we have at least one nazi in the man, crowd
1: what, what a world where you say at least one and my immediate response is well them's low numbers <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll take the over. Uh, Kendall hugs Roman. Kendall hugs Shiv. Marsha. Kendall brings up Marsha. Oh, my. Man, when these three are together in Uh, this little side room, they have some funny lines.
1: You can see why their dad missed having them around, because do they riff off
0: each other? The bell of the ball, says Roman. Death becomes her, says Shiv. That was a really solid one. Death becomes her. Kendall then asks where Carrie is. Roman says... In Marcia's trunk, inside an anaconda, inside a sarcophagus. I
1: love that one. I love that one. Hey, hey, not that far off.
0: Pretty close. Schiff points out, Marsha hasn't seen Logan in seven weeks. Says So on his calendar. Kendall says, intimate calls every night. Did you get that one? Schiff says, I think I might sue her for making me think of dad having phone sex.
1: <laughs> to, to which oh. she turns to Roman expecting he would jump in. And there's a hint that Roman's a bit off of his game. Is, he
0: misses his cue, and he's not engaged. I, yeah, I could, I, I could do some phone sex if you like, but I just thought you wouldn't be in the mood. And Roman explains, I'm actually fine. You know, fine, I fine. it might hit me like a ton of bricks tomorrow, but for, a, for today, I'm okay. Kendall says he feels knocked out. Knocked out. Shiv agrees uh, that she feels knocked out. Knocked out. Uh, Roman ponders if he's thought about it much. Um, if he's thought about it already, right? Because he's pre-grieved. Pre-grieved. Um, now, pre-grieved can be a thing.
1: It, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. It is a thing. Roman's I don't full think of shit. he's
0: done it. I don't think he's done it. I, because you pre-grieve in a situation where a person is dying and lingering for a long period of time. Logan was very much alive up until he died.
1: No. Kendall calls him straight out in this moment, and they both laugh. They know that Roman's full of shit.
0: Yeah, Kendall just goes, that's great. That's great. I don't believe you, <laughs> but... Shiv also indicates that she doesn't believe Roman. Shiv Shiv says they should huddle. For some of us, it's a sad day, but for others, it's Coronation Demolition Derby. Hmm. Kendall asks what the schedule is. Shiv says the board call is at 11. I think that 11 o'clock board call gets pushed to 12 later, but they do have it. It does, yeah. And so they sit and wait.
1: Meanwhile, I I believe at that moment when she says that, she also looks across the room and there is Tom having walked in, looking left. To join the family, looking right, to join the old guard, as it were. And he notably, instead of going to check on Shiv, goes and, g- goes and joins the old guard.
0: Yeah, so she he asks Carl, Jerry, and Carolina what he missed. Jerry says, oh, a lot of... Jerry is, the, is just... She's so savvy. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't want to give Tom anything. She doesn't trust Tom. She doesn't like Tom. So all she says is a lot of incoming. Just, you know, presidents, prime ministers, kings... Emperors, gods, everyone is calling to say they they are sorry. I mean, this is a nothing answer.
1: Yeah, it's also it's it's, it's a nothing answer, but it's a taunting answer too. It's a look at all of this involvement that you're not a part of.
0: Frank says, "Just trying to keep everything stable, board on the line." In what? An hour to pick a new top dog. Tom asks him what the CEO vibes are. Frank walks into the kitchen, opens the door, and says, "Would anyone care for a look at the china? I'm going to start using this line with you, Spencer." Please do. Like we're gonna I be like a big a group lot. full of people, we're get, like we're gonna be a big group full of people. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at you. I'm gonna sense that you're you're uh, irritated or exhausted. I'm gonna say, would anyone care for a look at the China?
1: Yes, please, China, love China.
0: That's kind of what they all did. They all just basically run into the room, cut back to the kids Roman looks at the group. Says that Logan wanted to fire half of them. Should we get that out there? She says no. It's a chaos narrative, fratricide narratives, bad narratives. Greg walks in. Oh man, the posturing that Greg does right away. Here's the thing, we've this been is a big. Rough Greg big... episode. We're big Greg fans around we here are. on Manga Talks. One of the weaker Gregs ep- Greg episodes, I mean, not not as far as being funny, but as far as like, Greg, what the fuck are you doing? The, what are you doing?
1: This is Greg at his most, I'm trying to be like Tom mode, and it's insufferable. He's just such a conniving little asshole the entire episode.
0: Here's the thing. I think that Kendall is possibly the most manipulative person of the episode. But I also think that there is a path for Greg with Kendall if he would just be a person. Yes. Because I, I don't I, – not. Greg starts in with this. I'm going to be a number two thing, which is just crazy. I, I wish he would have just gone to Kendall and just been like, hey, bro, Mike, I'm just going to chill with you. What do you need? Let me get you a drink of something. That or something. would be
1: the smart thing to do, much less obtrusive.
0: Instead he goes, it's just great that we all, the family, can stay strong and support each other through this.
1: Ah, he thinks Uh, he's being
0: subtle. Greg goes around hugging everyone. He, and he gets reactions like, like when people hug me, it's like, get the fuck, what in the world?
1: Hey, next time I try to hug you, just say, hey, hey, it's not like we're playing shoots and ladders here. Just, I will understand.
0: Uh, he even tries to play the one card that he has. He says, I talked to you in a minute ago. He'll have a say. I've got connections. But Roman, connections. Roman, not not feeling it, says, you need to get a new mommy, okay? We're not your mommy. Tells him to fuck right on off. Kendall says, thanks, Greg. See, this? See what I mean? There is a path for Greg with Kendall. Kendall does not hate Greg.
1: He was teamed up with him before. This is not a foreign concept between the two of them. It's just Greg sucks at this.
0: All right, now... I'd like you to role-play with me a second. Are you, are you ready?
1: I mean, how do you mean?
0: I want you to go back to Sunday night when we watched this together. Oh, okay, go when on. The, when the kids got the call from Madsen and they were, and Kendall was saying, just let it ring. We got we to gotta huddle. We got to take five. I want you to do for the audience what you were doing, as you sat on the couch.
1: Bad idea. Bad idea. Take that call. He's going to use it against you. Bad idea. Take that call. I just kept on repeating that like, madness he mantra. Did.
0: He said, and he never since he never talks during shows, but he was like – you were so convinced that this was a terrible idea to not take his call and to make him wait.
1: I, 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 the Matson has worked on trying to get any edge, any advantage, any hint that he's been slighted and weaponizing it. And this was just such an unforced error in that regard.
0: Cut to the other group. Frank says they'd like to make an announcement today on who would take over. Um, at this point in the episode, Spencer, did you have any guesses on who you thought it would be? I mean, I think when I think we talked on Saturday and we both said Jerry. Jerry. At this point, were you still thinking Jerry? Still
1: thought Jerry. Still thought yeah. the kids wouldn't be able to rally enough or would backstab each other too much to be able to make it happen, and that Jerry would be the easy kind of compromise pick between everybody. as Somebody who's done it, someone who's obviously competent, someone who's nowhere near as self-interested, at least obviously so, as some of the other players. She seemed like a logical choice. I think she so, still is a logical choice, but you know, yeah, she,
0: she, she would have been good. I do think that talking about something different here. um A nominee for potential pound for pound funniest guy. Currency pound for pound. I mean, Carl? I mean, I mean line for line. Carl. Yeah. God, it is man because
1: it's like got some mileage it, to this.
0: It's like line for line. He might be the funniest guy in the whole fucking episode.
1: I mean, he, he, um, he's, al- he's really funny. He's always been funny. But I feel like in this season, they're just making up for lost time and just concentrating the Carl at every available moment.
0: Carl plays the guy. So you don't play golf. Mm. But I play golf. And I have my, my dad has played golf my entire life. And I've also known a lot of people play golf. I've been lucky enough to play golf. No, I'm not, I'm not playing at Augusta and stuff, but I've played at some pretty nice country clubs. There is always a Carl in the locker room of golf clubs who has hands in pants, hips jutted out, and is just saying some awful shit. Oh God. It's, it's, we, it's, it, I, and I see that every time I hear this character talk, I'm like, I've seen that guy 50 times in a golf course saying like, you know, and, and that's when I started embezzling and you're like, Whoa, oh, oh, what was that? <laughs> So anyway, Carl jumps in. He says, "I wonder if we don't take control of the plane here." Carl says he worries about the kids' commitment to the deal. Jerry then blows up. Frank says the board would be listening to him. He'd have a lot of say on the appointment. Carl says if the message we give was that the kids are Tom says screwed up dipshits, and this is where I figured out that Tom had absolutely no run with these people None. because he was clearly he was clearly joke, clearly a joke, and he gets corrected as if he was serious and just stupid. Carl says, maybe not constitutionally well-equipped at this point to take on the role. And like really talking down to him. Carl then says, who might we favor? Carolina pitches Jerry. She's done it recently. She's a good pick, right? Carl says, well, the CFO would be a natural choice. Points out the idea that Jerry's already done it once. You've already had your ride on the merry-go-round. You've already done it. Jerry says, exactly. I've already done it quite successfully. Mentions this is just interim to get the deal done. Buckle you into your golden parachute, Carol. Carl says, "With the old man gone, I wonder if I don't have a little left to give." I'm going to pause it. There' a lot going on in this scene. What do you think so far?
1: Uh, what in terms of how I'm scoring this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Score it. I mean, at this point, they're just they're just jabbing at each other. They're just doing they're doing little shots back and forth. It's still relatively even. She fired at him with the golden parachute. He responded well. that hey, do will push me out of the plane so fast there. And then he's starting to hearken to his legacy. And here's where Jerry knocks him flat on the mat with her up with her next yeah, line. Yeah, this is
0: that's why I pause because I feel like if this is if this is kind of a UFC fight, this is where the one fighter kind of looks away for the brief second and gets a real shot in the face.
1: He was posturing. Carrie,
0: Jerry, Jerry says, "All time line here. Let's go ahead and put it on Twitter. Put it on a T-shirt. I think you're a corporate legend. What you did in the '90s with cable, huge, huge, huge." huge oh, oh
1: God. man alive does it knock him flat he, he can't do anything but laugh in response to that because he has no no rejoinder no counter
0: he does he does laugh he has to laugh and the only thing he, he doesn't have a witty line back just, because like you say she hits him flat all he says he just cuts right to it and says logan was souring on you and she just goes logan to isn't that around too. <laughs> logan isn't around anymore tom then chimes in to say all oh, the senior graybeards that's them and uh says he's, you know, every every personal favor he's ever asked for, everything he's ever wanted to do is just to serve. I mean, I'm sick with grief. Jerry's like, well, you might want to put down your fish taco. You're getting your grief all over everyone or whatever the <laughs> like fuck she said. I thought it was a funny line. Put it out. Like he's like, I'm sick with grief as he's like munching on the free hors d'oeuvres there. It's like, well, I don't know. You don't seem sick. Mm-hmm. Tom says, all I would say. Is that if there's a ring, my hat's in, respectfully. Now, you ready for Carl? You ready for Carl to just take out the nine mil and start shooting?
1: Uh, This this is too mean. This is too brutal. I mean, this this, this man doesn't actually live. He may have a family he doesn't know about, but dear Christ, Carl, let the man live.
0: I like literally, when he started this, I, I think we paused it and I told you, like, I knew Tom was going to get this. Someone was going to hit him with this level of honesty. I didn't think it would happen 10 minutes into the episode after Logan died. He was like so fucking fast. I
1: mean, again, it shows just how little regard they have for him. How much they deem him as just an insignificant participant, much less a threat to them. But Carl just feels that he can very openly, directly to Tom's face, cut him this cleanly at the
0: knees. Carl says, I would just say. If we would recommend you to the board, the question they might ask, can I frame the question for you? But, but, but as a as, friend, oh, yeah. as a friend, yeah, yeah. friend, yeah, friend. Yeah, friend. then the negative case would go, we go, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're a clumsy interloper and no one trusts you. The only guy pulling for you is dead. And now you're just married to the ex boss's daughter and she doesn't even like you. And you are fair and squarely fucked
1: to which I feel all of us said with Tom,
0: Jesus, Carl,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus,
0: man. <laughs> I'm still a person.
1: I'm never in some
0: regard. And then we had Carolina pull Carl out. I'll say this about Carolina.
1: But pulls Frank out.
0: Uh, Yeah. Sorry. Pulls Frank out. Uh, Here's the thing about Carolina. Carolina is stronger in this company than I thought she was. I had it in my head. How so? Well, I just thought that she would be like, she's kind of like a, I I don't know, maybe a director level or something. But like. I didn't, I had no concept that like she would be the first people that talked to, she would be the first person to talk to the new CEO, that she would be like uniformly trusted by both sides. Like both the kids talk to her and the gray beards talk to her. She's clearly Hugo's boss. Like Carolina's like kind of not to be fucked with. She got talked to by Logan. She got talked to by Logan a few times in such a condescending way. But I mean, that shouldn't have fucked me up, but it did. And I thought she was kind of lower on the totem pole that she is. Carolina really throwing her weight around a little bit this episode.
1: It's interesting that even more, I mean, Frank is kind of in the realm of where everyone's trying to trusting, treating him as a trusted advisor. Who's not, who's more about supporting other people rather than being in for himself, but they still mock him. Carolina on the other hand is just viewed like. And some of them
0: are scared of her.
1: She, she is viewed as like just so essential and so overarching that everyone is just treating her as being an essential commodity rather than a threat or someone to mock or anything else. It's just kind of just polite respect at every opportunity.
0: Cut back to the kids. Oscar answers their phone. And uh, 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 so cut back to the kids. They're calling Um, Lucas is found Lucas back and Oscar Lucas's um, assistant answers Roman says he's calling him back ask if Lucas is there oh he won't now the guy says he won't
1: now was an interesting way of putting that and perhaps overly honest way of putting that
0: I don't think that's a translation error I think he's saying no he's here
1: just nope
0: Roman says okay can you get him please Oscar says "Well, he, he was calling last chance Kendall jumps in and says, come on, man. We dropped a call because all we wanted to be – because we wanted to be um, all on, out of respect. Can you grab him? I feel like Kendall jumped in there because he was the one that was really pushing to not answer the phone.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? He's he realizing little, his error.
0: Feels a little responsible. Oscar says, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. He's just in a super tight schedule right now. Shiv says – he doesn't want to say hi. Is he still buying the company? Shiv on this call is – hilarious to me
1: she's hilarious but you can see a few times where both shiv kind of likes, why the fuck did i say that and her siblings look at her and go why the fuck did you just say that
0: because she's just pissed yes like she's just annoyed at this fucking guy who is clearly playing with them obviously who's clearly on a massive ego trip and she just doesn't have any fucking patience for it right now and i i just really enjoyed her because like as soon as she says this roman goes like he puts his hand up and he's like, whoa, whoa. T- like Too much. A slower, too hard. Just to slow her down. Oscar says, well, he he is if you don't squeeze him too tight. He's excited to speak to you guys. Who will be leading?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Schiff says they're huddling on that now, and they are a fluid group. Kendall says they're going to pick their Capitan, and they'll reconfigure in a week. Oscar says, well, we don't want to lose momentum. Basically, like, a week isn't good enough for us. Schiff finally cuts through and says, you guys do know what happened here yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Death in the family at the funeral.
1: Can we get a little bit of consideration? And their response screams, no.
0: Yeah. He just goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Very very sorry about that. Very, very very sorry. But bad one, bad one. Ba- Roman the bad Yeah, one bad is, one. The bad, bad one is a powerful one right there. <laughs> Thanks for that. Oscar says, well, if somebody could be here 24 hours or so to do this. That'd be great. Shiv says, our dad just died. We have an election coming up. I. That was a strange line. It was so strange from her. Our dad just died and we have the election coming up. Here's the thing. I think, I think she's going, cause she's setting this up well. She's kind of like frazzled. And then she says, you do know what happened here. And then she says, our dad died. She's, she's got a great angle to, we're emotional as a family. We can't deal with this right this second, right? Sure. Like you're going to have to give us a week. But then she says, we have an election coming up, tipping her hand that she's still clearly thinking about business.
1: That, I hadn't really thought about it at that point. That is an interesting point to bring up of where that undermines the narrative she was starting with. It shows exactly. it shows it wasn't legitimate.
0: Yeah. It's like, wait a second. Why, why are you mentioning the election if you're just telling me that, like, we should feel bad for you because your dad died? Anyway, the guy says this is their annual retreat. Now, Spencer, come on. You have annual retreats with your company. There's no missing it. I mean, I, I try to get you to do a podcast during the annual retreat. You won't even answer your phone. You won't answer a text. It's, it's the annual retreat, for God's sakes.
1: Oh, uh, sure. Let's go with that narrative in terms of my opinion of annual retreats. Fine. Just yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. But yeah, for any, any potential people who might employ Spencer, or I, we love annual. Oh retreats. Yeah. The
1: best thing since sliced bread. Couldn't miss them. Not even for a billion dollar business deal.
0: We get so much out of them. Shiv says, that's fine. Gives the finger to the phone. She's just, she's really hot. to try. Oh yeah. Um, cut to greg with marsha <laughs> how would you score greg's greg sucking up to marsha here how do you how do you think he does is
1: there anybody that he gets a out of 10 is there anybody he even makes it to a four with is there anybody that he even just gets up a, a, st- a step at the higher end of mediocre
0: I well, I ask because I ask because I think he does the best job with Marsha.
1: I think he does and he gets a 4 out of 10. I think it's it's not it's not even pat- Oh
0: wow. Okay, so you think you think with Marsha it's a 4. I, th- I think with Marsha it's more close to Mar- a 6 because he's at least blowing her up. He's at least because I think what my, the way to Marsha's heart right now in my opinion is to Play up her stature in the family because Mm -hmm. that's clearly what she's trying to reestablish. The the grand dame of the family. Exactly. Like show up and go, oh, oh, well, Marsha, I mean, you know, whatever you want. I mean, can I put the catering here? I mean, you know, where would you like people to park? I mean, make sure she knows she's the boss. And Greg is kind of doing that a little bit. I think it's working.
1: I Here's here's part of the reason I'm marking him down. He's already in with Marsha. Marsha likes him. Marsha's always made an effort to include him. And he's still awkward with her to the point that she is awkward with him as he leaves. Like, oh, all right, sure, yeah. She's naturally com- comfortable with him, but his level of just so obvious playmaking puts, her, I think, puts her off a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. It, 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 that it's certainly not. A, he doesn't make clean contact, nah, right? No, like no, no, he's no. he's messing up somewhere, but it's just the degree. Craig says he's sorry. Um, to Marsha, sorry for her loss. She looks at Carl and Frank as she says, see how they run. Greg is scurrying like little rats trying to do a little rapport with her. <laughs> Marsha then greets Connor and Wyla. She congratulates them, looks at Wyla and says, look how far you've come. Wyla unbeknownst to Marsha brought her boxing gloves and says, look at us both. Oh, I love that. I love
1: that. Wyla is in a position now where she can punch and that's a solid hit. That's basically she lived. Pardon me. She basically called her a whore. She basically said, yeah, look at us. Same story about how we got here, ain't it?
0: And you know what I liked that about how Wyla did that is a lot of times when people are trying to establish themselves as a little bit more alpha when they're not used to it. They'll say a line like that and then back up.
1: They'll say, look look at us both. I mean,
0: yeah, they'll say, look at us both. And then they'll feel self-conscious and they'll say, but, you know, I mean, like, you know, it's good to see it. She says, look at us both. Both is the last fucking word she says. Yeah, she didn't say That's another the word line. in this
1: conversation. It, 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 That's the line. It, it is solid, like you said, just because she doesn't back away from it. It's also solid because it's not over the top. It's not theatrical. She's not feeling good for herself now that she's in this world. It borders on subtle. It's a line you have to think about for a second. Even Marsha may not have processed it immediately. But it hits all the harder because of it.
0: Yeah, shout out to Wyla. She's, she's, she's got, she had a very strong episode this, uh, this episode. Marsha says she's sorry about all that's happened and that they, they have to be there to do this right now. Connor mentions, well, we got a little trip planned out in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Honeymoon sticks. Connor then mentions buying the apartment they're in. Marsha says, yeah, you shouldn't be ashamed to ask me that. I'm just be looking for somewhere between 60 and 70 millions.
1: That's it. <laughs> she's thought about
0: this. She has thought about this more than a couple
1: times. She may already have the paperwork I- drawn
0: up. So I don't think it shocks Con- I don't think the number shocks Connor. I think what shocks Connor is that how quick it is. She's got that on the tip of her tongue. Yeah. yeah. There's no delay. And uh, so Connor ever the ever the negotiator says, "How about 63? Marsh is done." <clears throat> spits in her hand, Connor spits in his hand. Boom, they shake hands done.
1: She she's 63 million dollars richer for the day.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I just just a little Uncle Lee out there to the kids. When you go to a funeral, if you're going to like a wake and it's at the widow's house, I would not personally offer to buy the widow's house from the the grieving widow the day of.
1: Uh, if it was anyone other than Marcia, I'd agree. With Marcia, perfectly legitimate business offer.
0: Well, sure. Yeah, look at us both. <laughs> Frank pulls Carl into a side room. <laughs> that was clever. Says that, that was clever. Says that in his role as one of the executors, it's interesting. You know, we were wondering who was going to be the executor. We, we of the
1: figured will. Frank. We figured Frank.
0: But he says one of the executors.
1: Well, the scale of this estate, there's got to be a whole team. That's a re- that's a reasonable little detail right there.
0: I, you know, I, this is just belies my my history. I don't. I didn't know that there could be multiple executors of a will. How does that work, Spencer?
1: Uh, with difficulty please for the love of god appoint some measure of either hierarchy or means by which joint decision making will occur otherwise nightmarish
0: yeah well he said he's found a rather worrying piece of paper carl reads it and scoffs who else knows frank says just the two of them carl asks what he's thinking frank says "Ah, i hadn't thought about it until you got here big guy i was waiting for you you're so important you're the big important guy carl asks if he could maybe make it go away it could get lost i hope it doesn't i really really hope it doesn't what if your hand gets a little wobbly and it falls into the toilet you know this, there's only one real lawyer in the graybeards and that's jerry what, but they are they are talking like a group of lawyers
1: what frank is also an attorney but you're right jerry's the, like the active practicing one but she and frank have the same kind of you response know, to carl joking about this
0: you've known me long enough to know how i classify these things yes there are real attorneys and there are real non-people with law degrees for instance, you're a real attorney. Thank you, um, Frank. Not a real attorney, Jerry. Real attorney. That's that's how I do these things. But they're all talking like it's so legal easy. I It might get lost. I hope it doesn't. Hope it doesn't. Hope it get lost. Hope it doesn't. Hope it doesn't. It's uh, it's nothing to follow. I'm, I'm
1: kidding, of course. Yes, yes. You're speculating in a comic mode and a humorous vein. Yeah, they're they are all towing that fun line of we're proposing committing a crime. Isn't that hilarious?
0: Ah, I would never do it. Of course not. But I mean, if we were going to do it, you know, in a fictional world, like if I was writing a book or something, here's how we do it. Yeah. So then we get this line. We're not going to let Little Princess screw things up. Right, Frank? And then you and I, for the next 25 minutes, speculated wildly about who Little Princess would be. I was damn sure it was shit.
1: I, I was damn sure because we were so hit hard by the line. We ignored the next line where he talks about Jerry. It's like we were dead on about, oh, my God, it says shiv. To the point we even thought they changed the page to say shiv before we found out more. But no, we were just too obsessed on the princess line to ignore the context.
0: Yeah, and it says, if Jerry is going to block me, I want my golden package. I am halfway in on a Greek island with my brother-in-law. This is the type of shit you hear in a golf (laughs) club locker room. Yeah, so Little Princess who 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 is Little Princess?
1: Well, it, it's either Kendall, and he's just you know misgendering him, or it's Jerry, who is the next line that is said. It's one of the two; either could work for either way. But like, like you just hit, we were convinced up until the moment they were in the boardroom showing us the paper, the office showing us the paper that Shiv was the heir apparent.
0: I think it. I think because of the nature of what's on the piece of paper right because the thing that jumps out to everybody who touches this piece of paper is that kendall's name is on it yes i think he's talking about kendall which makes me think and i love this headcanon that the graybeards all call Kindle Ken- a little princess i've been very years.
1: possible particularly carl particularly carl
0: jerry walks in and frank gives jerry the piece of paper It has a list of wishes in the event of logan's death you know things like i don't know like music and Thanks for the funeral and for the family. Jerry asks where it was found, apparently in the safe. Jerry questions the penciled in parts. They say basically they don't know about that. Frank says it's undated. Frank says since the family doesn't have full control, Jerry says, well, legally the board decides who the next CEO will be. So this is, isn't Jermaine. Oh man, does Carl love that word? Not Jermaine, not Jermaine, not Germain. Bryce says not Jermaine four times. Frank says they were joking that it could fall into a toilet. Jerry says, yes, that is a very funny joke. I have a couple of questions for you about this, Mr. Attorney. Oh god, be careful. I have a job. Yeah. Um so the the is Jerry is Jerry in trouble here by her tone? And for not explicitly saying, like, like explicitly denouncing the concept of getting rid of the beast, no. game by just going, no. "Yes, this is a very funny joke." Is she did she does she walk uh, any trouble there? No,
1: she's pl- she is playing a uh, she is playing a word game that attorneys often play when your client proposes something off the wall. Of where she is pointing out that it is stupid by addressing it as being an obvious, obvious, dear lord, no one would ever mean that seriously joke. It's code. It is clear and apparent code that everyone in the room is speaking right now. She's just operating in the same vein.
0: Okay. All right. Second question is, I guess, I guess the thing that most people are questioning here is how Logan could be so stupid as to write anything in pencil on this type of piece of paper. And the only thing I can come up with is that this was just his this was akin to a notepad for him. Yeah, He was then going to transfer this information to something or give it to someone for something official. This was basically like a diary that they've pulled out. So the fact that it was in pencil, doesn't really, I mean, it, it doesn't tell me that it's fake because it's in pencil. It, Logan was just scribbling some shit down to tell his lawyer later.
1: If anything, it tells me it's more authentic. I mean, it'd be more legally binding if it was, you know, in triplicate through attorneys and properly signed and everything else. But the fact that it's done by this means of, you know, pencil on paper, this does feel like it's a legitimate Logan note.
0: Okay. Final question, Mr. Attorney. Please. In 2023, can anything be legally binding if it's written in pencil without a date? (laughs) Yes. Yes, it can. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. So what you've so what you just told me, and I do appreciate you saying this, and I appreciate you making it explicit, that Kendall should be the next leader of Waystar Royco. It's legally binding, and you are very much with it, and you agree. I appreciate you saying that.
1: Uh, wasn't quite as far as I was getting, because we're going to find out more when we look at that page here in a second. <laughs>
0: I'm really glad that you think that it should be Kendall. Connor and Wyla are talking about the apartment. yeah, uh, and he's selling her on it now. He's like, Oh, well, you know, oh, of course, of course, re- no of realtor's course. fees and all this stuff, you know, uh, Connor walks in with the kids and asks how they are faring. She asked about the, um, what does she ask about here? The, um, I don't know that. I don't know that line. I've, I've got, I can't, I can't read my notes here. Um, Oh. Anyway, Shiv jokes that dad sounds great. Oh, they're, they're, oh they're the, globe, the globe photo. Globes, yes. I, yeah, I have globe fought, Globe photo. <laughs> so she asked about the globe photo, if they like it. Shiv jokes that the dad, the dad sounds great. She would have liked to meet him. Roman says he only laughed like he did in the globe photo if a hobo was on fire. <laughs> Wonderful
1: uh-huh. guy. Wonderful guy. Salt of the earth.
0: Connor asks, are you really okay? Connor's not a bad guy. Are you really okay? Schiff says she has, Roman is pre-grieved. Roman says, they don't fucking believe me. From where I'm sitting, you're the ones who are naive. I've been worried that this shit would happen for ages. Kendall then says he did a session with someone his therapist recommended, I suppose, very late at night. He's kind of good. I've got his number if you want. Like, it's dumb, like it's dumb, but, but there are actually things you can do. Shift says, "Sounds like you've got the best grief guy," and Kendall laughs and goes, "I've got the fucking best grief
1: guy." Fuck you. <laughs> I, I I like that these little moments of poking each other are the main moments of laughter they share. Of where it was the same thing about when Roman was saying, "I pre-grieved," and Kendall says, "All right, well, good for you." I don't fucking believe you. And then they all laughed. Same moment here of where they're mocking each other on the subject of, "Oh, you got a, you got a great therapist. Great job for you, grief guy." It, 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 these are some of the last moments of like little, you know. Sibling bonding that we're going to see because things are going to get straight business from here.
0: Yeah. Because like people ask me all the time, like, why on earth did you stick with Kindle for so long? And by the way, back a little bit back one foot back on the Kindle horse. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's for shit like this. It's like, you know, like if our, if our friend group dealt with a death, right? Mm -hmm. Who would be the first fucking guy giving out grief counseling information? It would be me. Obviously like I would be be Mm bugging. I mean, like, I, you know, all of you guys, guys, come on. You, I mean, you really should talk to somebody.
1: Meanwhile, I'd be the guy saying, man, Lee's got the best grief guy. The, just the absolute <laughs> best grief guy.
0: Roman says, you're going to destroy this. They all laugh. Hugo then walks in, says he has more hard copies of the obituary, uh, obituaries that are all pouring in, I guess, from, you know, major newspapers all over the world. Oh, Hugo yeah. says the board will assemble now at noon, so they pushed it back an hour. Hugo then asks Kindle if he can ask him something pulls Kindle aside. Spencer, why do you think Hugo picked Kindle here? Uh,
1: you think he knows about the page yet? I don't think he knows about the page yet. Uh, may just be because he, th- he thinks Kindle's the one he can best interact with, of where Kendall's usually the one that it, this is an odd statement, talking about Kendall. he's usually the one that's the most sober, the one that has the most you know iron sense of business about him, so maybe he just figures that he can get a more honest deal or at least has a better read on the guy compared to Shiv and Roman.
0: I think there's a case to be made that that Kendall's the nicest of the three. And none of them are nice. We all know they're all pieces of shit. But uh, if you're having to pick someone who's the least mean, especially in the moment, it's probably it, it, Kendall. Especially now, in
1: the moment, yeah, maybe.
0: Now you also have the fact that Kendall walked by Hugo when Hugo was having that phone conversation, and so Hugo might be thinking well, he's already overheard half of this. Like this limits my losses by containing it to Kendall. If I told Roman now, there's a chance that both Kendall and Roman are a part of this.
1: That's possible, but he seems briefly caught off guard when Kendall uses the, dip, uh, the strap on metaphor later. So I'm not sure how much he's aware of it. And he was certainly looking away at the time.
0: Pulls Kindle aside, says I may have caught myself up uh, in a, a, a little bit of a something. Um, so here's what I'm going to need you to do on this one, Mr. Attorney.
1: Oh, go on, please.
0: Um, I just need you to do, to be Saul. You know, you know, Saul Goodman from Better Call Saul. I'm very familiar. Yeah. So what Saul was really good at doing is he would just tell you, are you fucked or not? So I just want you to, to just, you know non-binding not professional opinion just spencer on a podcast i want you to tell this fictional character are you fucked or not when i get done with this okay he says i may have caught myself up in a little bit of something probably nothing but sorry to bother you with this i just found out my daughter she happened to sell a bunch of waystar stock just before the news about your father went public total coincidence total coincidence to come no at, reason come at all an issue kindle he is pretty smart in this conversation. she uh, says, Did you speak to her on the day? What? what are the phone records gonna say? And he says, I can't recollect. Oh God. Saul, hey Saul Goodman, what 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 say you?
1: Uh, I think both he and particularly his daughter are fucked. This is insider trading by definition.
0: Yeah, I think so too. It, it, I think I think so. Ma- I think Saul Martha Stewart went to jail side. for this shit, people. Yeah, if they'll put fucking Martha Stewart in jail for insider trading, they'll put anybody in jail. Because Martha Stewart is lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saul Goodman would say you're fucked here. Uh, Hugo seems to know it too. He, the, uh, uh, sorry, I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing the guy doesn't like. But the guy who plays Hugo, uh, sorry, I don't have his name in front of me. I, I'm just doing it. Um Looks like he swallowed an apple. It's <laughs> like Fisher he, he
1: Stevens like, for those playing at home.
0: <laughs> he looks so like oop, like I uh, know I did wrong, deer in the headlights sort of thing. Fisher Stevens, shout out to him. He does. Then he says that the. The thing with his daughter is, you know, already hear here is that they, they don't even have a relationship. They don't even really, really talk at all.
1: And yet you called her? And yet you called her as just a random out of the blue. That's going to hold up well in court.
0: You would have had to call her, for this to work, you would have had to call her before the plane landed, after Logan dies. So there's like a, what, 30 minute window here?
1: Not much. Aware. When
0: you're, when you're also working and then Carolina's got you doing a bunch of shit cause she's a workaholic. Like they no, you clearly do. You clearly made a point of going aside to call your daughter. This wasn't, they didn't, we, we saw the whole scene. They didn't break like, Hey, everybody go call your best friend and tell them like they were all sitting in a room together. Hugo would have had to gone off on the sly to do this. It's guilty. Gu- guilty as
1: hell obviously guilty now again the key thing about insert trading though is that it's really only found out about typically if somebody reports you so it's that make like you like you, like you may have noted if kendall did overhear the conversation he's the most likely person that could be a threat maybe
0: kendall walks back inside and shiv is reading the obituaries to him oh my god this is the funniest part of the episode
1: the code right, so
0: then they, they yeah they start coding it complicated man through phones Sharp reader of the national mood
1: bit racist bit racist bit racist
0: well then it's a man of his error again, uh, again racist racist also relaxed about sexual assault <laughs> I'll give you this one how about this one business genius
1: never paid a penny in u s tax
0: well connected
1: oh well that one's not fair that's you know that that that's generally a euphemism for pedophile and no one ever suggested that about Logan hey, he p-
0: wouldn't even tug his grandchild. <laughs>
1: I love they all laugh their asses off at that one. It's just like, Oh dear Christ, you're right.
0: Tom then walks in and boy does Shiv mood drop off a cliff. She her her mood drops right off as soon as he walks in. She says, I think I think they want to see he says, I think they want to see you up in the library. Shiv walks out, doesn't say a word to Tom. As Kendall is walking, Tom says, As far as he's concerned, he's kinda of pulled Kendall aside here. As far as I, he's concerned. The big man's passing. Clean the slate. I wish maybe there was something I could take back. Some of the things I said I could take back. Sorry for your loss, but I'm here to, I'm here to serve. And Kendall says, I like you, Tom. Good luck.
1: That's how Kendall says, fuck off. It is so, I mean, like, like you noted before, in terms of Carl being willing to speak to Tom like that, the fact that Kendall says this further emphasizes that Tom, from his perspective, is below notice. He doesn't merit any more concern.
0: Kendall walks off. Roman, Kendall and Shiv walk into the library. Frank says he's the executor of his dad affair, one of the executors of his dad's affairs. He says it appears to a certain point, undated, but it, it suggests, this piece of paper here suggests that it was your dad's wish that Kendall take over as CEO. What?
1: And, you and I are, free- we're freaking out to the degree we're assuming that uh, they changed the paper, because we're still convinced it was Schiff.
0: <laughs> Roman asked from when? Great question. Frank says, it's old. Maybe from four years ago, but there are pencil addendums. Jerry says, well, it holds no real legal weight, but they wanted the family to know.
1: And again, key legal point they keep emphasizing, the reason it holds no legal weight is not the enforceability of the document. It's not whether it's binding or whatever else. It's that. It doesn't matter because the family—the do family doesn't have majority control anymore to just dictate this.
0: It's not Logan's to give. Yes. So this would be, yeah. If, it, if, it's if just I
1: influential,
0: if, right? Like it's—it's it's, if I wrote down, I would like Roman Reigns to lose the championship belt as soon as possible. Done. And then I died. You wouldn't. You—you you found that piece of paper. You wouldn't have to fuss over, well, you know, when was it dated or if, if Lee really wrote it or whatnot? I'm not Vince McMahon. I can't make that happen, so it doesn't matter. It wasn't Logan's to give. Mm-hmm. Says they uh, are reminded again, family does not hold a majority stake in the company. How many times do the kids hear this this episode the fam from the Greybeards that the family doesn't hold but, a majority stake in the company? Uh, at least three, right?
1: At least three, possibly more, because they're still making their own you know power play here. One uh, I'd say credit to filmmaking and framing for how they do this scene. I like that from pretty much the moment that they tell them that Kendall is on the sheet of paper he's no longer in the same shot as his siblings. He's in his own shot, the Greybeards are in their own shot and Roman and Shiv are in their own shot but they're now separate and apart where previously they were all together. It's the lines are already starting to be drawn just from the fact this news is now disrupted They're very very delicate balancing act.
0: That's a really good point on how they put. You know, I don't think they do anything by mistake on succession. So I think no, if, they, not a if they blocked them that they blocked him that way, they wanted you to to get that sense. Kendall says that Logan was the founder. It is from some time ago, and things changed, and Logan was a man of different moods. Roman agrees with that. So Kendall's already when Kendall hears his name, he's already start. He, 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 the wheels spin immediately. S- season he's like, one, he's Kendall's going to coming use back. That. He's absolutely going to use that. Um, Frank then starts talking about the artifacts that were discovered in pencil. Shiv is then trying to figure out if something is underlined or crossed out. Now, this is the, this is the very now famous line in, near, around, under, over, somewhere near Kendall's name. Now we have since got a screenshot of that letter. It's been zoomed in. What say you, Spencer? Was the name underlined or struck stricken? It, it,
1: it's beautiful. It is just beautiful. They it could not have made it more delightfully ambiguous from that picture. My assumption is that I don't know why. Well, here's here's my two conflicting points. A, if you're going to cross somebody out, very few people start from the bottom and then go up. I just don't think that's as normal of a gesture. You start from the bottom. Left hand, though. Is is, is he it, left-handed?
0: Yes, I was, Logan was left-handed, and I think I actually think that is the movement you would make.
1: That is possible. Then I hadn't thought about that. The other, the other thing that I think also factors in, I think, to the idea that it might be crossed out, is that why would he underline it he, months after the fact? I think that the document's four years old, and the little additions were eighteen months ago. Why on earth would he underline it? There'd be no point. Crossing it out would make a lot more sense, particularly given the, the time period.
0: Okay, can I can I as Kendall's defense attorney? Can I can – I re- I'm going to rebuff this. Thing. Uh, so, uh,
1: one minute, Counselor,
0: please. Uh, here's the thing. It kind of doesn't matter if it's underlined uh, it, or he, crossed out. He
1: Be- was the only one ever thought about that we can show.
0: You got it. Kendall makes the point here in a minute. Um, Shiv is then trying to figure out if something's underlined or crossed out. Shiv says it doesn't really matter because the board is going to decide. She reiterates that they all want the seal to go through. Roman says – Ken, man, sure, like, I get it, but, like, this thing is old, and, and you've tried to put him in jail, like, ten times since then. <laughs> Shiv then what, what? says that maybe the underlining and crossing out and the document is essentially moot.
1: I, I just want to say one thing, by the way, that both from just the effect it would obviously have on him and just the reaction we see from him, Shiv saying the underlined or crossed out thing is the most cruel thing she ever in her life could have done to Kendall at this moment. 'Cause he hadn't entertained that thought at all. It hadn't crossed his mind until she put that in there, and that is gonna fester for the rest of his existence.
0: And to prove your point, to prove that you are you are right about this, the next line out of his mouth is well it sure as fucking shit doesn't say shiv, which is the most poignant he gets with anybody. It. And I'll tell you this, this is kind of the Kendall defense attorney the angle which you 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 knew exactly where I was going with that, which was it might be uh, it might be crossed out, but she it never once did even write Shiv's name down. So yes. if you if you if you actually care, you know, what Logan's desire was for who takes over Waystar RoyCo, cuz to Jerry's point, you might not give a fuck because it, he doesn't it's not his to give. But if you do care, Kendall's the only one he ever committed to paper that we have evidence of ever. So you got to probably go with Kendall is my point. It sure as fucking shit doesn't say Shiv.
1: It's such a powerful rejoinder because it Shiv can do nothing but walk away and just do her usual. Okay. As she wanders off. It's just, there's no counter to that argument.
0: Roman asks what else is in the document. They say some music suggestions for the funeral, things about what to do. Jerry indicates he probably drafted it himself, never sent it to his lawyer, but just put it in the safe. She calls it a collection of musings. And Jerry, I love how Jerry continues to diminish this paper over time. Now it's a collection of musings. <laughs> yeah. Later well, later, she calls it a fucking doodle.
1: I, I, I like one of the ways they emphasize that is to bring Greg in now. Just to further dismiss this as just being inane wanderings of a senile old man.
0: Yeah, I, that I had not considered before. That calling Greg in to tell him actually further diminishes.
1: I think it's very the, intentional.
0: The value of it. Wow, what that is that is really smart. If they did it that way, so, and, and now now you've got me convinced they did. That is really smart.
1: Greg comes in and uh, what?
0: Well, hold on. First, oh, we and- we learn. That he has a shit ton of investment in three. He, he invested in art? What? three missing Gaugans
1: are just stored somewhere in a Geneva vault.
0: What the fuck? He, man, what a man. Schiff says they should burn it down for insurance's purposes. Carl, yeah, another hilarious. Yeah, that would be the dream. Uh, financially financially speaking. speaking.
1: Loss of world culture, sure. But, you know, the insurance money is a much easier way to collect.
0: <laughs> Greg then walks in and Frank then says, in case it comes out, uh, we wanted you to, uh, be aware of a piece of paper, side letter, left by Logan with some wishes and disbursements. Greg immediately saddles up. In what, in what capacity? Um, and in what fashion? Greg, you're an addendum of miscellaneous matters in pencil with a question mark. Like, <laughs> Greg? Never, nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> Potential line of the episode, nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless. Uh, Ken, Kindle then Ken, says, Kendall
1: offers, as you said,
0: Kindle Ken, has a connection with Greg. He offers context. Yeah, his dad might have said that he wanted me to take over. Greg then throws out there, well, then maybe the natural conclusion would be I'd be his number two.
1: I <laughs> I love Frank's laugh here because it feels just so, it feels like, like one of the few honest laughs he's done in years. Just like, oh dear Christ, you ignorant fool.
0: Nice try. Yeah, very authentic, yeah. And he says maybe... Um, he wrote it down so he could remember your name. This is what Roman says. Greg says, I don't know. We had a good rapport. Roman says, uh, I feel he wanted to see less of you. That's probably like 50-50, fire Greg or kill Greg. Greg says he think th- that's not the type of question mark. Jerry now is losing her patience, calls it a doodle, and says they just wanted you to be aware. So she just wants Greg out of the room at yeah. this point.
1: He, he has fulfilled his role. If anything, he's doing too well at it right now.
0: Greg, it's a doodle. Okay, get the fuck out of here. Uh Roy family words. Oh, fuck off. Mm-hmm. In comes Tom. He explains Marsha wanted them to be aware of some words going on downstairs. Frank says, Here's a lot to consider. Ask if they should reconvene before the board meeting to pool thoughts. Everybody agrees. The door closes. It's just Kindle and Frank. Kindle looks at the paper again says, Is God, it real Frank?
1: Godfather and Godson. Let's remember context there.
0: <laughs> Is it real, Frank? I don't know. My dad wanted me to take over? Frank says sometimes you know sometimes. You know that he did, sometimes. (laughs) He's just kind of laughing. Like, Kendall, you you know at certain points he did. I mean, that's not surprising to you, is it? I mean, we we all know that. Kendall then says, he made me hate him, and he died. I feel like he didn't like me. I disappointed him. Man.
1: Woo! Frank Frank drops it completely. None None of the, like, debating the merits of this piece of paper. None of their own ambitions. No, like, gray beards or children. From this point on, he's talking to his godson. He's talking, he's having a human moment with another person and it's beautiful.
0: No, no, no. Come on. Come on. What, what these, we think these grand horror things at times like this, these ice shells are going to come at us in the night and take our heads off. It's not true. He was an old bastard and he loved you. He loved you. You think? I think so.
1: It's a powerful moment. It's an honest moment. It, It reiterates why I like Frank so much as a character.
0: Yeah. And then Kendall's basically like, Hey, if I get everybody in line, will you follow me? And Frank then questions him. He says, Ken, you got stuff cooking. You seem so well. You really want back in. My question to you, Spencer is, so he, Frank doesn't give him a yes right away. Do you, do you think this whole like, Hey, Ken, you got stuff cooking, you know, you're doing well. Do you really want back in? Do you think that is out of genuine concern for Ken, which is how he's framing it? Or does he still want Jerry at this point?
1: I mean, he was the one that was originally going for Carl, but I think Carl's kind of stepping himself out. So Jerry is the fallback. Would,
0: okay. Then let's just say, is it, a graybeard The question, a gray beard. Is that, is a that why he's doing it, Or is it concern out of, uh, Kim? Uh, 60,
1: 40, 70, 30, maybe favor and concern yeah. for Kim.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it's about, I think it's some split. Yeah. Cut to shift talking to Roman. She's saying part of me is just like, well, let's just give it to the poor orphan. Let's give the poor orphan what he wants. <laughs> Roman's just sort of like, hmm, hmm. She goes, sorry, I don't know what's wrong with me. That's not good. So when she's saying, let's give the poor orphan what he wants, Spencer, Spencer, what do you think she was saying there?
1: Uh, just make Kendall happy. Let him have this, That he's the one that truly feels like, you know, the lost son. Let's give him this bone.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that's what it is too. Although the, when she first spoke the words, I thought maybe they were talking about Connor's buying the house, but then Roman goes on to say, no, 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 I get it. It's interim. Shift says, so long as it is. And that right there is a line I want to latch onto to for the rest of the episode. So long as it is.
1: Uh, I mean, sales not a done deal. Not said the it's stuff not, yet. And if nope. it doesn't occur, there's a company.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that if Kendall ever wanted to run Waystar Royco... He's got his chance. He could sink the sale as co- basically co CEO. He could sink the sale if he wanted to, and he could just continue to run it. I mean, unless the board ever recalled him. I mean, you know, that, shit, he's got he's got what he wants. That would be the risk,
1: that if he sinks the sale, he may face a board recall just from the sheer anger at that not going forward.
0: Maybe. Um, Roman ask her what she's thinking. Shiv says, it felt good. Us, right? Roman says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and now does this feel good? Does this feel good? Tom comes walking up and Roman basically runs away. Tom asks Shiv how she's doing. She says she's doing blah.
1: Something I want to ask you about when we get to the end of this conversation. I want you to tell me what percentage of this is actually coming from a place of love or is purely 100% manipulative. I'll be curious of your thoughts when we get there.
0: Yeah. Because she asked him the same question, he says, "Well, he wasn't my dad, but it's sad." She says, "Yeah, I guess you're worried you picked the wrong horse. I guess you picked the dead horse." Tom says, "Don't, don't, don't! You'll regret it." I think he's right about that. Mm -hmm. Basically, but what he's saying to her is like, "Shift, don't, don't let yourself get nasty here, because you know you will regret doing that if you get too nasty with people in your anger." And he says, "Let me show you some kindness." Shift says, "Not my thing, honestly." Because I'm just slowly coming to accept that we killed him. No, we did. We He died on the plane, and he wouldn't have been there on the plane, except we made him get on there. So that's cool. I, and I, I was wondering when this was going to come out. Yeah. I, you the, know, the, the, in the last episode, we talked about this, where if there was going to be some residual guilt for the fact that the kids stalled the sale, asking for more money, pushing Logan to get on the plane to go over to Sweden to talk to Madsen.
1: This was a card we were waiting for the writers to pull. Cause this, this felt like low-hanging fruit. This was an easy thing to bring up and see – how or if they'd even process the guilt?
0: Tom says a million things could have happened. He's right about that. Shiv says I don't want to fake myself out. If we had said yes to Gojo, he might still be around for twenty more years. I do not think that's nah, true. Nah, nah, nah. No, no, no. Tom says he was evidently. Uh, she says so that he could rock his grandkids to sleep.
1: Hmm, that one so feels that very intimate.
0: His can't ran kids to sleep. Tom doesn't know. She's thinking about how that loaded one. that how loaded that line is, right? Tom says, "His he was ev- yeah. evidently keen to do." So Tom makes joke about it because he doesn't know that Shiv might be talking about her own child. Schiff says, "Well, that's just fucked up, now, isn't it?" She sits down. She leans down. He goes to touch her. She says, "Don't touch me." She says, "I am angry. My dad died. My mom's a fucking disaster. My husband is a." She lets that go. Thank goodness. Mm. And Carrie and Marsha, and it feels like I am the only one who lost something they actually fucking wanted, and it. it's not coming back. What a line. Because it's true. I mean, I, it, you know, remember when when she got the phone and they said, hey, talk to him. Basically, he's dying. It's the last thing you'll be able to say. And she says, daddy. Yeah. Like, I think there is a part of her that really did love her dad and really, really didn't want him to die. And I think the thing of saying, I think I'm the only one who lost something they actually fucking wanted. I'm sure she feels that way. Because as we're seeing in gross detail during the entire episode, everyone's posturing. Everybody wants part of his pile, right? And, and nobody's talking about missing the man.
1: I think that's a very accurate read. I th- I, we've discussed Shiv's very complicated feelings for her dad. But the mere fact that they were complicated indicated that she cared. Um, I don't think she's the only person that's grieving. I don't think she's the only person that lost something. But hers is definitely here and apparent.
0: Yeah. It's like her and Kendall are the only two that seem really upset. Maybe a little bit Frank
1: uh-huh. Tom then maybe, tells this maybe Carrie we'll see you in a second.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. well Carrie, yeah for sure. But she's, she's, I didn't count her as like a actual, she's only there for like a couple seconds. Mm. Tom then tells the story about when they first knew each other. And I think what he's saying is first time we had sex. Um, when he flew to where he says that, that very difficult time for you, this was talked about in previous episodes that they got together when Shiv basically had like a breakdown. Yeah. And was at her weakest moment. And that's when she got with Tom. And we've always suspected that that was not a great place for her to establish that relationship with Tom because she really only leans on him when she needs emotional support. She doesn't view him as an equal. He said, you were wearing that fine silk shirt. And I kept asking, do you like this? And you eventually said, I like it all. She said, yeah. Well, that was a while ago. Tom says, not that long ago. She says, yeah, a while back. And storms off kind of teary.
1: So tell me, sir, this is the second play we see, third play, really, we see Tom make on other people in positions of power over his own. Is this one coming from any place of love, or is this just as manipulative or desperate as the other ones are?
0: If you're being gracious to Tom, it's 95.5.
1: 95.5, which way?
0: well, ninety-five that he's just trying to find another horse, God. and five that he actually yeah. loves her. That's I don't think, to. because he spent the entire episode going around trying to find someone to continue to support him. Like Shiv was just like I I interpreted as Shiv was just one more in the line of people, and this was his in with Shiv. You what? know, like, and his his in with the graybeards is to talk about him being hard worker and being modest, and his in with you know Kendall is to be. You know, I, hey, I'll help you. I'll do whatever. His his in with Roman is to fluff his ego. Like he's just trying to figure out what his best in is with these people. And with, with Shiv, it's obviously the romance angle.
1: It's notable that he's tr- hitting a woman who's commenting that she's at one of the worst moments with her life about him being there for one of the last worst moments of her life. Which, as you said, was hitting her at her worst moment and kind of worming in maybe because of it.
0: It's funny we were we were watching this episode with somebody who had never seen any Succession before, if you can believe this. Um, it happens, and and they were watching this episode, and I when he say, finished this line, I said out loud in the room, I said, "Well, I, I, like he failed at finding another horse or something." I made some like comment about how you know Tom was basically just trying to find somebody else to support him, and he failed. And this person who never watched Succession before turned around and looked at me like I was like the worst person in the world. And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) this is not, this is not me being cynical. This is the show has taught me this over the years. We know the characters. Uh, she walks into the side room. Colin arrives and shifts. In jeans. He does jeans. He's also got a kid
1: and a wife. Look at the, look at Colin having a world outside of the Roys.
0: Good for him. Roman lays down on the couch sort of comically. Kendall walks in and says, Colin is a kid. And some people in black suits walk in with a bomb sniffing dog. Oh my gosh. Secret Service is here. The Secret Service are conducting their sweep. Jared Macon is en route. So Jared Macon, I believe, is the Republican who is running. He was running for president. Um, and you got it. Elections, elections in a week.
1: So Secret Service detail would be there to protect him.
0: Oh shit. I mean. You know, if you pull over 10, if you're running in the, in one of the primaries of the two big parties and you pull over 10% in one of the first five states, you get secret service. I mean, you get secret service very early on. Poor Connor. Yeah. Yeah. His 1% doesn't get him there. Um, so Shiv is like. Well, first off, Marcia says, well, Jared Macon was a friend of your father's. And Shiv says, Shiv says, no, they spoke, but it was transactional. Roman makes the point. Oh, no, not like his real friends from his men's group in choir. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it, uh, Shiv it, it, says,
0: Shiv doesn't want this guy in and says, oh, come on, Rome. He didn't know him. He called him a spooky embryo. It, this is really interesting that Shiv is rejecting this on principle where both of her
1: siblings are saying no no it, whether it was transactional or not he's got to be here shiv this is a connect but she's just maybe politically or be it you know like you said she actually cares that her dad died where everybody is just seeing this as a pound of flesh she does not want that man in this building
0: she's still a liberal look, I, look is it if politics was married, yeah look if i was married to one of the murdoch's daughters right And they were like, well, yeah, we're just going to bring Trump up here for a minute. I'd be like, no, even though I'm in the Murdoch's house, I'd still probably yell. No, just out of reflex. I think that's (laughs) what she's doing. I think she's like, no, I don't, I don't hang out with Jared Minkin. What are you talking about? That's the, no, no, I don't do that. It's embedded in her. Now I think she gets outvoted. Obviously she talks about her. Clearly and immediately just died. Roman talks about the counter veto. And then Kendall talks about, you know, it, it would be good politically, but I think it was just a snap reflex from her politics. I think I the think important you're right. thing to take away from the scene is that when Kendall says it'd be good on a business level, she scoffs at him and says, "Oh, oh, you do you now? Do you do you?" And when we were watching this live, you went Shiv, yeah, <laughs> like, like we've seen this before. We know you're we we when we get this tone from this character, we know she's about to be a chaos agent. Mm-hmm. She's about to bust some shit up, like, and that's what she's about to do.
1: I, it left. Her tone here, leaving that conversation with Tom, it had me on edge and holding my breath in almost every scene with her going forward because I didn't know what she was going to do.
0: Roman says, yeah, yeah, all right. Um, And they go downstairs um, because a guy named Ron Petkus, who we we saw in a previous season.
1: Yeah, season two, basically, he's like one of the movers and shakers of the Republican Party.
0: I think he's a Steve Bannon sign-in.
1: I think it's a good call, particularly for the neo, Stand in. particularly for the neocon connection.
0: When a great man passes, the angels of heaven weep. Oh, and when a giant of the conservative movement passes, and then we just get all the let, little. Let, let's skip the rest, please. Side conversations. <laughs> Shiv calls him a kid's entertainer. Roman says, who died and made him king for a day, goes on. A man of humility, grace, and dignity. Tom, whispering to Greg, theorizes that Logan died fishing his phone from a clogged toilet. So, uh-oh. So, we're starting to learn some details of what happened here.
1: Maybe. it's It's Tom. Who the hell could ever know?
0: <laughs> I think he's more right than not right. And there's a detail here that's coming that I will... I will talk about. So, Petkus, he was a great communicator. Greg says, really? Tom says, so they say. Carl blocked it. Greg, no. Tom, the man lives on wonder bread and steak frites. He hadn't had a shit for 20 years. Petkus is a man without vanity. He was a man who wasn't wearing his compression socks so that he could look hot for Carrie. That one's probably true. That, that's probably true because he died of a pulmonary embolism. He died of DV, DV, uh, DVT, right? Uh, deep vein thrombosis, which would be a uh, blood clot that shook loose, mm-hmm. got to his lungs, passed to his heart, and he died. Compression stocks help stop that, especially on long flights. They, they absolutely recommend anybody at risk for deep vein, deep vein thrombosis wear compression socks for long flights. The idea that he wasn't wearing them, um, yeah, that could have killed him. That, that might
1: be right. Oh, that's poetic. If he died for that kind of vanity,
0: yeah. And you could absolutely couldn't you hear Logan in the morning when someone's like one of his caretakers is like put your socks on. He's like, ah, fuck rah, 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 rah. you know, and then that's that's how he kicks off. And you could also see a situation where intense strain on the body could cause the pulmonary could be the the, the the triggering event for the pulmonary embolism. So we're, we're piecing this all together here. He could have been taking a shit. He could have strained his body. Could have had pulmonary embolism. He doesn't have his D, his compression sacks on because he wants to fuck Carrie later. Man dies.
1: What a world. What a world.
0: He molded the country like clay in his hands. He made it something great. Greg, in the shape of a dick. Boo. Weak. I would Tom on that one. Weak. That was weak. He made it strong. More coherent when I think of LR. LR. That's so bullshit. And we call him LR. Connor then walks up to the kids irritated. How about this, um sci majors? Let's see if we can all make sense of this one. Can you believe this shit? He's trying to make Dad out to be a neocon. He's a neocon. He's a paleo-libertarian. He was practically an anarchy-capitalism. What? I,
1: I understood some of those words.
0: Anarchy-capitalist, paleo-libertarian, neocon. Somebody want to draw me a diagram, a big, um, Venn diagram of the, the differences and similarities there. That'd be great. Can, can we get Connor says, to do
1: it? I would love to have Connor explain these concepts to me.
0: We might get that before too long. Maybe we'll get the presidential debate. Hopefully Connor will qualify for oh, God. it. God. Roman says, yes, sure. If you like Benny Hill and Sinatra, does that make you one of those things? Connor says, they're trying to body snatch him. History is being written. The next 48 hours are crucial. Petkiss with the most cringeworthy line of the entire episode. And there are a lot of cringeworthy lines in this episode. You ready for it, Spencer? Go ready on.
1: Go on.
0: Godspeed. For surely soon, her Logan Roy will be running rolling news in heaven. Uh, we, you and I could barely sit still
1: during oh. that shit.
0: Oh. I think I got up and started doing the dishes or something. You I did. You I left for a minute. get away <laughs> from this. So in comes Sandy. Here comes Stewie. And, um, Sandy and his daughter, right? Sandy and his daughter. hmm Stewie, uh, Stewie gets Shiv, hugs her. They roll Sandy in and he's in a wheelchair after the stroke and, and Roman. He is smiling. Him, Why does his face look like that? Why is he in a perpetual smile? And he's told, look, by the daughter, look, he's sad. He's sad. Okay. All right. Look, he's, he's sad.
1: I'm pretty he sure he did. just fucking winked at me.
0: Yeah. Uh, Shiv second guesses Kendall's motivations. Uh, for leaning down and talking to Sandy, Roman just sort of snorts at that and says, Who would you rather it be? One of us, one of the old guard. That's kind of the, the, the choice facing the children this episode. Mm-hmm. Marsha then comes up to the hallway. Greg greets her. A little repertoire between the two. Then we see at the elevator, Carrie's arrived. Uh oh. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't
1: have done this right now if I were Carrie. Is wouldn't that Carrie's
0: done? music?
1: Mistake to be here at the funeral. You're just asking for this.
0: What did she think was going to happen?
1: Nothing good. She hoped that she'd be able to get upstairs and rummage around through his documents to find something indicating what she says to Roman was about to happen. That seems to be what her plan was. God help her.
0: I would hope that there was at least a little bit of a plan B of like, well, this might be the only time I can get in front of someone who would be sympathetic to me to tell them this information because that she does accomplish something here. She talks because to Roman. She's able to, she give, to give that information to Roman. Roman seems somewhat sympathetic and actually wants her number. I don't, I don't think this is a failure here from, from Carrie. So I'm a little interested that uh, you're, it's, you're so flatly that this is such a bad idea because like, sh- I, I, I could be wrong, but I think Roman's going to follow up on this. Like, I think this is something that's going to continue.
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think she, if she was hoping to get a sympathetic ear, that then she just got lucky as all damn hell. It seemed, I mean, I don't see what chance of victory she had in her head of getting into this house and having there be a positive result. I agree with you. Best result she probably could have gotten is something resembling a sympathetic ear from Roman, but that was a Hail Mary at best, and it's still not in any way certain.
0: I have a question. Is part of your, your, how quickly you were like, she shouldn't have done this, is it partly just because it's such bad form? Not necessarily. Like, like, it's humiliating. It seems like maybe. Yeah. It seems like maybe you weren't thinking a hundred percent strategically when you said that you're also thinking like, man, she really, this looked bad.
1: This looked bad. And for everyone who saw it, they thought other than Roman, they thought bad of her for it.
0: Yeah. She says she got Marsha's message. I got your message. She's just crying basically during all of this. But she says she has things upstairs. Marsha says she's got them in a bag. Carrie says, I just need to go up. And Marsha says, no, she turns to Colin and says, I don't want her up. Colin
1: but new role already. I, I'm not,
0: I'm not sure why, but Colin has decided that him being Logan's best friend and protector now is team Marsha instead of team Carrie. I think that's important because I, I, I would not have guessed that initially. I mean, I, he knew that Logan really liked Carrie. I'm not sure why he's not taking up for Carrie's interest here.
1: He views himself as a retainer of the family. Marsha's family. Carrie is not. <clears throat> At least that's my You're theory. Probably right.
0: You're probably right. Carrie makes a move for the stairs, Colin blocks her. And he gets one of his men to sort of follow her around. As she's standing around and crying, Roman walks up and says, Hey, 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 what's going on? Are you okay? I've got a theory. Ready for my theory? Tell me. Carrie will end up with Roman. Really? I think they're going to end up romantically together.
1: You think this has better odds than your whole Carrie is Logan's daughter theory?
0: About similar. Neither <laughs> one very good, but this is what I'm throwing out. I think they. I think they're going to give. I think. I think. I think Roman's always had a, a little thing for Carrie, and I think he's going to end up with her. Roman mentions to her that he doesn't have her private number. Can I get your private number so I can? can you send that to me. Marcia drops the bag of things. There seems to be some medication in it. Did you catch that?
1: Yeah. It looked like it was notably pills.
0: I wonder what that's about.
1: I was kind of hoping we'd get some kind of zoom in or some kind of reaction from uh, Roman, but we don't.
0: Carrie says to Roman, we were talking, this is, you You have to have the sim, the, the subtitles on for this. I did not catch this in first viewing, yeah. but she says to him, we were talking about getting married and he was making arrangements about us. So could you check? And Roman actually says, yeah, I'll check on this. And I believe him. He doesn't seem to be bullshitting her. Carrie says, Logan told her he was going to make a note and he was going to check with his lawyer. Can you please check? Roman says he's going to check. He asks for a private number again. Colin tells the other security guard to take her out back. Carrie cries as she goes. Greg whispers to Marcia, oh, God, here comes the fireworks.
1: God, he's bad this episode. Yeah,
0: he's been... It, it, Fucking Carrie and Greg might need a bare knuckle brawl before this season's out. These two <laughs> do not. They have been going at it. Roman mutters, take her out back, Billy. That's always nice to hear. Roman looks at Marsha and says, Marsha, that was unnecessary, right? Like So he's not, he's not happy with how Marsha handled this. And Marsha says, we are calling Carrie a taxi to the subway so that she can go home to her little apartment. Oh, oh, get
1: me. I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you. From a gut punch standpoint, Carl or Marcia,
0: who wins? Uh, oof. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I think I'm gonna say Carl because he's just the way that he's a little bit more verbose. And, and, but holy smokes, they're both mean as fuck.
1: They're both mean as fuck. I think Carl wins because it was to friggin' Tom's face, but still. Yeah, and
0: Tom hasn't really done anything to Carl. I mean, Carrie was fucking her husband. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, Kendall walks in and just says, Jesus, which is that's kind of what I do in this situation. I think I just go, Holy smokes! Shift says, How is your buddy Sandy? Kendall jokingly says, Who are you? Why is this sex party so uh, (laughs) sad? Why didn't that get more laughs? (laughs) That was
1: funny. I I, I think it didn't get more laughs because the freaking letter's out. They're already starting to get at odds with each other.
0: (laughs) Shift, should we talk? Nothing needs to change too much. Like, whatever you're thinking. It's like, Shift says, they should talk, but she walks off. Tom walks up to Roman. This is where he makes the pitch to Roman. Um, and says, this piece of paper situation. Yeah, I heard about it. I, uh, I don't mean to talk out of turn, but we both know Logan only wanted one person to take over, and he just asked you back in. Roman says, look at you, Tomby tight tightrope Tommy, riding your little subtle cycle across Niagara Falls, tip-toe Tommy, lip-bomb Tommy up his lips to kiss my butt but after tom leaves roman is left thinking and i think this changes the trajectory i think before this conversation it was just going to be kendall and i think after this conversation it was kendall and roman
1: i think that's an interesting call i hadn't really thought about it for what effect this conversation might have on roman but that is an interesting kind of thought i'm gonna to have to think about
0: kendall walks up to stewie Stewie says he can't believe it I thought he'd be like my dad, ninety-five, and just starting to sue his neighbor. <laughs> he, can't, I mean, Stewie does. Stewie is an interesting person. I like Stewie. He, I do like Stewie. He, I like him too. I think that you know, I think if you're going to be friends with Stewie, you have to understand that he likes his work more than anything, and he likes deals. He, he he's going to take his work more seriously than your friendship. That doesn't mean he's not your friend. He is no. Kendall's friend. But he will always go work over friendship. And I think he's probably like that for anybody. And some of, you know, Kendall's – some of his business got in the way of some of his friendship with Kendall. But I still think deep down he always liked Kendall.
1: I think he's always liked Kendall. I think it's also notable that in terms of all of their failed deals in the past, I don't think any of them were Stewie screwing Kendall over. I don't think any of them were Stewie letting Kendall down. It was always a one-direction thing.
0: No, there were if there were there were multiple moments where like Kendall was asking things of Stewie and Stewie couldn't do it. D- different um, kind of animal though.
1: Different kind of animal. like when when Stewie and Kendall were on the same team, Stewie was a loyal guy on the team. It's just when he was start, when Kendall was asking for Stewie favors later that Stewie wouldn't commit to him again.
0: I think we need to go back and audit that because I, I feel like there was a couple of moments where where Stewie fucked him that we talked about. I think I, I don't know I, I I don't have that. Handy what, to audit, but I, I, I'm not sure that the, what you're saying that he's was completely loyal to Kendall. You know, the whole well, time is well, very we'll fair. But we'll see.
1: It's notable that the main example they reference here is Stewie saying, why should I trust you when you screwed me over with respect to the deal back in season one? And that, is, a, that right. is an important, important data point there that is colored things thereafter.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, especially when he teamed up with Sandy and they made a move on the company and I don't know. Anyway, Kendall um, explains that he, his dad died of a embolism, pulmonary, which should have had his compression socks on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Stewie says, well, because I heard he saw your business plan for Pearson. Fucking choke laughing. Kendall calls him a fucking prick while laughing. He starts to cry. Stewie gives him a bit of a hug. says, hey, you're trying to give him a little bit of a
1: They are a category comfort. of buddies.
0: Kendall says, uh, you're going to um, do the board call from here? He says, well, here are the car. He says, because there's a piece of paper with me on it. Dad said I should take over. Can you swing in for me? You know me. You know my flaws. It's short term. So he says, his pubes got singed the last time he went with Kendo. He said, that was a different thing for my family. I had to back down. There was no card he wouldn't play against me. I think he, he's being honest there. He's he, explaining he, that, like, he was just scared, scared of what Logan could do to him.
1: He still has, de- he still never told, he's only told his siblings about that, right? About what the actual yes. of the card was.
0: Yeah, he, remember he did that at, um, in the last season, at his, at his, at, yeah, in the last season, at his mom's wedding, and remember how Robin was like, "Who gives a fuck?" That was the funniest yeah, shit. My,
1: yeah, so, <laughs> damn he was late. He didn't he, care at all. He was late with my drink. <laughs> I wanted to kill him too.
0: He didn't fucking care at all. Stewie we ask him if he even likes steel? Ken, says, "Yeah, can't live in a haunted house. I have plans with the Sibs. We take the news with Pierce, and you can bring it home, Ken. Dude, is your head on straight? Like, like dive into work. I think what he's saying here is like, are you okay?" Are you just talking crazy or is this in my grief? I'm going to dive into work and that's going to help me because I have seen that in the workplace too, where people experience something really traumatic, maybe be a death in the family, divorce or something. And they come into work and they just say, please just let me work. Like, this is going to help me if you'll just let me work. And I think that's kind of what he's saying here. It's like, you just want to dive into work. And Kendall says, yeah, what am I going to do? Sit in the dark and drink Laphroaig? (laughs) I think that LeFroig is his go-to. I think that was, I think he was a shot at LeFroig, right? He was basically saying that's like cheap, cheap alcohol. But for most people, LeFroig's pretty expensive. He, um,
1: that was a hell of elitist little line right there.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think so. If you, if you know Laphroaig, like it's like, well, that's like a hundred bucks a bottle. And he's saying, what am I going to do to do like sit around and drink forties? Um Stewie asked what's in it for him. Kendall, the only right answer, I think here. So maybe do a solid for your oldest pal a day after his dad died. If he starts dealing too much, I think he looks really skeezy. But when he just goes, I don't know, man, just do it or don't do it. I think that's a much better answer to Stewie at this point.
1: I agree. What do you think? I, and I, I think that's an excellent call. I think by not pushing it heavily, by not having you know set brass tacks really to discuss in detail, it's a much more effective pitch compared compared to what, what compared to having a much more in depth conversation.
0: Got to Wyla walking around talking to her mom, saying they want to check the walls, see if they're structured. She wants to knock some of these fucking walls down. She wants to. She Girls wants got to, ideas. Take some walls down. Holy smokes! Connor says, "Wyla's mom, God bless her. Her plate is groaning." So I guess her mom's eating a lot of food. Kendall says, "Hey, listen, I think Stewie could swing behind one of us." Roman talking to Wyla says, "Does she know she can go back?" Oh, when she gro-, talking about Wyla's mom says, "Does she know she can go back?" Oh, when she dropped the grapes. Shiv says, yeah, her boat really came in, didn't it? This has turned into the grand tour for her. Is just elitist jokes. Kendall then says, do we agree to fly to Madsen? Shiv then tells Kendall that Connor is moving in, which does make Kendall do a bit of a double take. He's like, oh, but, but what? what? Like, because he's thinking only about the deal, only about, you know, who's going to be CEO. Connor says, Marsha gets it, but she kind of sold it to me. Roman's like, she did? Let's all move in, share a bed, grow old together, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Kendall says they have ten until the board meeting. So now the boy time has jumped a little bit. So now we're about we're at ten we're eleven fifty. Anything you want to say on that scene there?
1: No, I think it covered the details well. I'm I'm am I'm really eager to go to the next scene. That's kind of why I'm I'm, I'm kind of waiting for him.
0: Shift says, have you spoken to mommy yet? Kendall says, they've swapped messages. Kendall, ask again if they can talk. Peter Munyon was flying to This is Roman. Peter Munyon was flying to Spain and he tried to reroute to come directly here because he wanted to be with us during this difficult time. Shift says, oh man. Connor says, he sent me a message saying, it's a rum situation. One in the eye for all of us. Can you stop ignoring me for fuck's sake? Huh? Come on, please. Let's talk about it. We got somewhere. Us, we've got somewhere. Let's talk about it. I don't even care what happens. Mm. Do you, let's not give it to the Keystone fucks because we didn't talk.
1: Do you believe him at all there? No. No, no not, a, not a bit. He is, he is weaponizing their relationship. He's weaponizing their yeah. trio in terms of getting them into this conversation.
0: I will say this. When he said, I don't care what happens, that's not true. Yeah. yeah but yeah. when he said, let's not give it to the Keystone fucks because we didn't talk, that is true. He's he's flipping in and out of, of things really fast. He's playing, because I he's do playing think, his dad's game. He's playing his dad's game real damn well. I was going to say that at the end. You, you've, you've you've jumped ahead in my notes. But I was going to say that Logue, Kendall is more Logan this episode than I've ever seen him.
1: Damn straight. Damn straight.
0: I also do believe firmly that if the only options on the table were Jerry or Shiv, he'd pick Shiv. But he doesn't want those to be the only two options on the table. Shifts says, Con, do you mind? It's always a bummer when they kick Connor out to talk, but, isn't it? Why did they hear? Why? Because he does, he's not, a, he doesn't have a, a vote on the board. What does it matter? Let him stay? He can listen. That's what, that's Roman's point. That's why Roman gets bummed every time and he's always like, oh, come on. Sorry, man. He always apologizes to Roman that they, or to Connor that they kick him out. Sorry, man. Connor closes the door. Feeling very comfortable in his new house, Mikasa Sukasa. <laughs>
1: I'll give you a room because it's all mine anyway.
0: <laughs> Kendall asks her what she thinks. Do you have an issue with me? Because yeah, that's fine, but I'd like it to be one of us. And Dad said so. Hmm, did he? She says, "Let's discuss." But can you please stop jonesing? You're walking around the wake with a fucking heart on it. I don't think that's quite true, but she is picking up on. Kendall is trying not to appear too eager. But she knows him too well, and she knows he's more eager than he's letting on. I, that's my read on it.
1: No, I agree. Strong agree there.
0: Kendall says he isn't. Kendall says all he is suggesting is that he swing it for them. Then they move ahead. they three Pierce, ATN, everything. She says she's done. She has some thoughts. Roman says he's got some thoughts too. This is this is what terrifies Kendall here. You notice this? This is the part where he, the only part in this whole conversation where he looks like he. Might be on unsolid ground. Is that they both says, have thoughts? Well, it's when Roman says that, and it's specifically the threat of Roman backing Jerry. Yes,
1: he, he checks that deal quick.
0: And as soon as Roman says no, you see Kendall sort of relax a little bit because yeah. he says, "No, I'm done helping old ladies cross the street, but I do wonder about me." Yeah, you. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah and um, that's an excellent call because yeah. if, if he's dedicated to Jerry, that's trouble. Kendall's got no target for attack on that if he's self-interested oh kendall can play with that
0: and also all the graybeards plus roman is probably enough to swing sandy sandy and stewie and swing the board yeah that's a pretty strong coalition oh yeah yeah so he can't he can't have roman break well, off I'm, roman is still technically coo of the company
1: would you be with me in assuming that sandy and sandy are going to do anything they can to ensure there's not a roy running this company
0: For just... Sandy and Sandy. You're saying just just Sandy and Sandy. Yeah, probably. They they probably would. I mean, Stewie seems okay with a Roy runner.
1: Stewie's fine, but Sandy and Sandy hate the Roys. That's why they're here.
0: That's a good point. Stewie's flip. Yes, they would flip, and then Stewie would see an opportunity. He he was not going to... He's going to go with the front runner, so he would go with him. Yeah, I mean, if Roman flipped Jerry here, that would have done it. That's it. I know, and, and unfortunately, Jerry... Jerry cut that cord. Now she had a great reason for doing so. Jeroman was completely inappropriate, sexually harassing her, sending pictures of his dick, but she did cut that cord. And mm-hmm. that, I think that's ultimately what killed the, the idea of Jerry here. Kendall says, not that I'm blaming her. I'm not blaming her. She should have, she should have cut the cord with Roman. We, Just saying. We understand, that is, You're okay. That is the fallout. Well, you understand, but not necessarily everybody <laughs> the internet, else. Basically. The internet will never Based on you. the comments, based on the comments I read that you often don't, mm. don't, don't see. So I, uh, I have to qualify. Kendall says, Ultimately, that's how I want it. Shiv says, come on, man. I have a question for you, Spencer. During this conversation, Shiv is trying to establish dominance. She wants to be in the conversation. She Well, she wants to take over. She wants to be CEO. Do you, I think they write her dialogue very purposefully. I think that when she is in these power discussions with men, she uses different language. Because listen to this. She says, come on, man. You're jerking it over a piece of paper that he scribbled your fucking name on. She says, come on, man. You're jerk." She makes a penis joke. Mm-hmm. And then she says fucking in the middle of it. Like, I think she tries to talk with the boys a little bit during this. Yeah. I'm, and this is not a criticism of her. No, no, this is I a think criticism I, of, like, what, what she has to do in these situations. But I think they're very purposeful about how they write her.
1: I, I think she's uncomfortable being in this realm right now and she's trying to play the game. She's trying to play the boys game and it doesn't come across as authentic.
0: It kind of does to me a little bit. I yeah, only noticed it, it on. when I was when I was I was well it I mean, it's strategic for sure, but I, I, I think she's, she delivers the lines naturally in my opinion. I just noticed that when I was looking at the specific dialogue, I was like, Oh, this is a lot of penis stuff. Mm-hmm. She says hard on. She says jerking it. She calls him man. I don't know. Just something to point out. What? So there's an argument that you're the worst of both worlds, different, but the same. Kendall says that shit actually plays with the board. It really does. Same old, but with the, with the vibe, new banner.
1: Who, who do you, question if this wasn't a foregone conclusion once they pick sides who are you more with here is Kendall somebody that actually looks good to
0: the board so here's the thing I get told this is where you're gonna tell me like we got it man don't who don't care to don't play to the internet haters but like I got I had you I, like we get told a lot on this podcast that we don't like Schiff A lot, like more than you know, like people, people think we really don't like Shiv. Mm -hmm. I think Shiv is the smartest of the three. I'd agree. I emotion, I emotionally connect with Kendall because Kendall's an addict because he has mental health issues because he has trouble sleeping because he steals shit. I mean, there's so many things that he does that like. As a person, I'm like, oh gosh, man, I like really like know that or I identify that or I know somebody like that. That's why I kinda like Kendall, because they've gone in a little bit more to his psychology than some of the other characters. But I think Shiv is the smartest of the three. But I do think it's important to note that Shiv picked a different career. Shiv went into politics and did that for years. She doesn't have direct experience with the company, and that should matter. Like, I don't think that's just Kindle, when he says you don't have experience, you look kind of like a flaky pick. Like, yes, he's self-interested when he's saying that, but I think there's truth in that. What do you think?
1: I think there's truth to it, but I think it is ignoring the importance of an emblem. And he is a Roy. He is the, not literally the eldest child, but essentially the eldest child. He's had a prior role in the company and he's got the written endorsement from God all that matters a lot when it comes to just that kind of gut reaction decision-making.
0: So I think all that matters. But I think if he didn't have a foundation as someone who has intimately known the company, who has worked in the company for a long time, like, I just don't know how you, like if if he was a publicly, if he was a publicly traded company, it's a publicly traded company, like the shareholder, they still have to explain this to the shareholders. And like, Yes, it matters who Logan picked whatever, but like they still have to write a press release that explains the person's history. Sure,
1: but it's and like, it's not like he's Greg. It's not like they're endorsing the Greg with a question mark to be the next CEO here.
0: Well, hold on. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, okay. Is yeah. I'm saying I'm saying that they're that what Kendall is telling her, which is that Like it needs to be like me and Roman because we actually have legitimate experience in this company and you don't. You picked a different career. You worked in a different line of business for a long time and the board cares about that stuff. I think there's a lot of truth in that.
1: I think there is. It is omitting the unfortunate truth that is affecting women in all kinds of business settings that Shiv's lack of experience may have been part driven by her own decision making, may have also been driven by her dad not not giving her an opportunity for it either.
0: Sure. Yeah. We don't know. I mean, all all I know is that she, she worked in politics. I assume that maybe wrongfully that, that she chose to go into politics, not that it was forced on her, but like, you know, I do think like when I do think it does, I think, I think sometimes people look at these three kids and they think even you got, you just pick one based on what you see. But if you're a, you're somebody who own the majority of your 401k and your retirement is in waste our stock, you're going to feel a hell of a lot better with somebody if you have to pick between these three kids, one of them that has least worked in the company at some point. So I don't know. I, that, I think that does matter.
1: I think Shib has also caught off guard in this conversation, how quickly Roman and Kindle ally against her. I yep. don't think she's ready for that. I think that plays and how much she kind of falters under them just because she hadn't put up her bulk works to deal with a two-pronged assault.
0: I think you're absolutely right. I don't think she was ready for Roman to say, as long as he goes in with Kendall. Um, that he's on board with it and that he, I don't think she expected Roman to explicitly denounce her candidacy either, which he does here. He says like, you're, I agree with Ken. I agree with Kendall. Like you're, you're, you don't look like a good pick. You look flaky. You don't have the, the history in the company and three doesn't make a lot of sense. I will agree with that. Three person CEO team seems stupid. The, the, Two seems pretty damn dumb, but three isn't insane.
1: I am straight up with Roman there. That is a hippie orgy running a business. Yeah.
0: Um, so, but anyway, they, 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 they base Roman's candidacy on the idea that the COO is in the draft plan, the draft succession plan, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and he still is technically the COO. So that's how they kind of work him in. Which I'd
1: completely Shiv, forgotten about.
0: Shiv, you know, says, what? So I don't get this because I look, I have teary eyed, mascara streaked, and I look like I might fucking faint. It's clean enough. And Kendall says, it isn't you actually don't have experience. It starts to look flaky. She says, I did the strategic review. That's the only thing she could pull up because it's the only thing she's done with the company. Kendall says, this is mean. That was daddy make work. That is his meanest line.
1: Even more than the strap on later, that's his meanest line.
0: Do you notice when he says that, Roman cringes? Yeah,
1: he does. In the background.
0: Yeah, because they don't keep Roman, they keep Roman in focus for that line. So you can see his reaction. And he goes, oof. And he says, besides, I think to his, cool, but three is a bit wonky, and Roman finishes the sentence wonky with him. And that's when Roman goes on to explain the weird orgy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the weird sort of orgy parallel. Mm-hmm. You know, you start to have three, it starts to be bad. So I can't can't see, can't see them getting on board for three. Shiv gets up, walks around, says, well, I need to wet my beak. And when she says this, I was stunned. I, I was like, holy shit, she's, she's giving in to him. I was
1: positively caught off guard. I was like, in no world did I imagine that Shiv would... A trust them, but B submit to it. It caught me off guard. I think it shows how much Shiv is rattled. That A they've teamed up against her, and B just the series of events leading here.
0: Yeah, and it, like I feel like I can I can hear I can hear the person now saying, "You guys just don't like Shiv because like the experience the experience is bullshit. That doesn't matter. Like I don't know. Like how many fucking how many fucking publicly traded companies." Hire a CEO with no direct experience in that market. Like, tell me an example of that ever fucking happening. Like, experience does matter when you're hiring at that level. I I think it does. And
1: I think this is also a bit of commentary here that just one of the biggest hurdles women have for gaining these positions of authority is that they lack experience because they haven't been allowed or practically been able to get it. This is a a very gender-related burden or gender-related deficit to overcome here.
0: Well, that's that's any marginalized population, right? Because that's, sure. that's the same thing sure. with any with any minority is that they don't they don't have the internship opportunities, can't get the same colleges, therefore can't have the base of experience, can't work their way up, and then they don't get the the executive positions because they don't have 100%. all that experience. That all that yeah that that is absolutely true. I have a hard time believing Shiv couldn't have worked for that company if she wanted to. Yeah, it's a, it's,
1: that's a point.
0: <laughs> I have a hard time believing that. Like she very much took pride in the fact that she took a different path. She was in politics. She was going to work for the president. She was going to do all this stuff. That's what she was when we first were introduced to her is that she had picked a different path. I, I, as soon as she wanted to go into the company, Logan gave her a path. Remember Logan brought her, said he'd get, he'd get her all this training, et cetera, et cetera. She just didn't want to do all the training, but like, the idea that she couldn't work for the company is, I, I don't know it, that I believe that, but um, I, I think she's... Your general point, your general point about women in the workplace, absolutely true. For this specific character, I find it hard to believe she couldn't work for Waystar Royco if she wanted to.
1: It, it is an accurate description of the role and place she occupies, but probably is dismissing her own individual involvement in it. So, yeah, I think yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with you.
0: She says, guys, if you fuck me on this, then she says, this is a dad promise on yesterday, they all say promise on yesterday, Spencer. How much do you think the promise on yesterday, the, the 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 connection they all had on the day their father died, how much do you think that really matters to Kendall?
1: Oh, I, I like how you asked that because I was about to say for Roman, I think it matters a bit. Kendall, I don't know if it survives the episode.
0: It doesn't. He he undercuts him right away. Well, it, he undercuts Roman right away. I, I, he hasn't he hasn't fucked Shiv yet, but he I, he's already shown yeah. he's he already shown he'll fuck Roman. Yeah. They,
1: yeah, they're, already box, they're already boxing out Shiv by the end, despite saying that it'll, it'll be really a trio, just officially a twosome. That's that doesn't even appear to apply by the end the time this episode's over.
0: Kendall is he's the faceless man. He's putting on the Logan face before the end of the episode. Oh yeah. Kendall asks if they're ready, and Shiv walks in like a fucking wrestler to that room. Do you see how she walks? She in?
1: leads the charge, which is interesting. <laughs>
0: I know if I if I was sitting there, I would have thought that it was going to be Shiv. I was like, oh, well, they're going to they're going to they're going to say it should be Shiv anyway. Stewie comes in too. Jerry pushes back on that. Roman says it's good for the group. Frank says it's not appropriate for this discussion. Roman says, well, if you're uncomfortable, Frank, you can fuck off. Roy family words, fuck off, TM. This is a lovely gang of pals having a chat. Uh, Kendall says it's simple. I, I, COO is on an emergency draft plan. It looks perverse not to honor that, and it's pointed. Um, and it pointed for it not to be us. Me and Roman step up.
1: Absolutely. I, one thing I just wanted to comment on. I love that Stewie doesn't say a word. He just sits down, crosses legs, and is just sitting imperiously over the room for the conversation. It's like I was invited. Please go on.
0: Yep. So Roman, uh, Carl then asked, um, when the last time they spoke with Loman, R- R- Logan was? Roman says, 48 hours. Frank, and how'd that go? Can you believe this? Shiv jumps in and says it went well. Did that surprise you?
1: She's trying to make this work. She's being a team player.
0: Carl says, well, the DOJ's all wrapped up and everything you said about Logan talking to Kendall. means nothing. You're damaged goods. Spencer, do you think he's damaged goods?
1: Yes. Maybe not in the way that Carl means, but still, yes.
0: I think all of these things are true. I think the things that Kendall were saying was saying about how like, yeah, I'm like I'm kinda part of the old, but I'm a little bit different, and that will play with the board, and the fact that I have experience is important will play with the board. I think all that's true. I think the fact that he looked kinda like a buffoon during the whole DOJ investigation also hurts him with the board. I, I think agree. All these things it's all a mixed bag, right? It is. I, I don't Jerry I, points out that she shepherded in a lot of cultural change during the DOJ investigation.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Roman says, I think we all know that dad had soured on Jerry. I don't think there's anything on paper to that effect. Roman in his most cutting ever, I think I've seen. And he said a lot of cutting shit looks at her and just goes, uh-huh. And it's ve- how he puts it. I'm not doing it justice. It's very much a, you want to test me on that?
1: It, it, it's beautiful. And it has such a profound effect on Jerry's strategy of where she was going to this conversation, making guns for her being a claimant to the throne the moment roman says that she never brings it up again she see, she reads him and reads that she's going to get no support there if anything she's going to be directly undermined there and she cuts off further exploration on the topic
0: yeah and she actually goes, well, I, I'm not going to push it. After he said, it's so transparent what occurred. Yeah. She goes, I don't think there's anything paper on that fact. At that point, Jerry is still going to push to be CEO. And Roman is the only person in the room who could do this because he's the one who delivered the news to her that she was being fired. Looks at her and goes, you want to test me on that, basically. What? And she goes, well, I'm not going to push and it. And he's already hinted. That's when that's when Jerry backs off.
1: He's already hinted to his siblings that he and his dad had other conversations. He, they, they're starting to get into the bit of a realm that Roman may have had an end that they didn't know about. Jerry though knows oh, yeah, better than anybody. Yeah,
0: yeah. I missed that in the recap. That's one of the things when they were just the three of them were discussing and they were they were pointing to the Kendall Roman, you know, sort of co CEO model. Roman did admit to them that he'd had some conversations with Logan Which, that they were not aware of.
1: I'll be curious to see when that's explored more later. Because they both Kendall and particularly Schiff like look at him weird due to that, but they don't explore it They haven't explored it yet.
0: Roman says they were Obviously the right people to take over. Frank says the board would have concerns. Stewie jumps in with says, well, Kendall's name is on a piece of paper. I love Stewie. He's so funny. Like they're all sitting there having this very serious conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And then Stewie just goes, well, Kendall's name is on a piece of paper. It's just sort <laughs> of absurd thing to say. What, what else do I need is, to say? <laughs> it's obviously germane He's just a funny way of putting things. It says Logan said it should be Kendall. But when? Ah, a few times. He says ah a few times. See, this is he's he's become Kendall's defense attorney. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm argument to. You I'd say. It kind of doesn't matter if when he died it was a no. Multiple times during his life he thought it should be Kendall. That's a pretty good endorsement. It is. You've lost Logan, and for his faults, he was the founder. Ken and Roman. I think a Roy at Roy Works. It's not for long. Frank says it's so you can puppet master them. Who me, Frank? Roman tells Frank to get the fuck out of there. Out of here with that shit. Frank says there will be renegotiation with Mattson. Kendall says I want to do the deal and get out. We have our own idea with ATN. Refresh. There's a shape for things. We have things cooking. So now the idea for the Sibs, by the way,
1: is that they're going to run ATN.
0: They Mix run ATN and they they spin and Pierce exactly. That was the, a, that was an interesting little tidbit he just gave away I, there.
1: I mean, they're basically accomplishing their dad's vision. They're just doing it themselves.
0: Yep. Roman says it's a good deal. Stewie agrees. Shiv stands there, pissed. Shiv is pretty darn pissed here.
1: Uh, getting more pissed by the minute. She can already see herself getting boxed out of this.
0: Get to Greg and Tom. Greg tells Tom his tree is cooking. Can you smell it? Can you smell? You had to do that. Thank you, Tom. Roses and rotting corpses. Carolina says, "Okay, okay, it's done." They voted it through. <laughs> Bam! There it is. Can there it is, Spencer? My succession long dream has been realized in this moment. Kendall is leading Waystar Royco. With Roman. But yes. Yeah, but still. Your,
1: your, your, your horse absolutely finally yeah, made yeah, but it through.
0: My horse made it. He got there. He did it. Took him he long enough. It. Yay, Kendall. Oh man, I feel so good. Anyway, Ken and Rome walk in. Everybody cheers for them, which is kind of strange and awake. Greg says, long live the king. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Greg. We appreciate you. Shift storms out. Tom sees her. She walks down the stairs. She sees Marsha. Marsha says, Is "Everything going well?" She says, "Great, great, all good." She walks past Stewie and someone. Stewie's laughing. Shift tells him, "Shut the fuck up! And stop laughing. It's not comedy night." Shift goes to walk down a few stairs into another room. Trips. Oh, hated to see that. She's
1: starting hated to read to see it. She's sadly starting to reach carry levels of public embarrassment here in this moment.
0: It was tough. Tom runs up to her. She says, don't find, don't find, don't touch touch me. She looks at Sandy and she says, stop smiling. And she storms out. Now, a lot of people commenting that maybe we're supposed to think that that fall could have been a problem with what we learned at the beginning of the episode. Spencer, did you connect those two things together when you were watching?
1: No, I really didn't. Can you explain that one
0: to me? Well, people think that that could have affected the president of the pregnancy. That she no. had fallen and nah. somehow hurt hurt the hurt the fetus or something that we're supposed to wonder about that going into the next episode. I, who
1: knows? But that feels like a stretch.
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm your agent. I'm gonna quote Spencer's reaction to this for the internet. Are you ready? Go on. Nah.
1: <laughs> yes, that noise. That is me on the internet forever.
0: <laughs> That's what you wanted to say. Meh. <laughs> Then Rome and Kendall walk inside Logan's office. Oh, my gosh. Now it's real. And guess who's guess who they're in with? Fucking Carolina.
1: She's the one She's leading the them in. She's the first
0: one to talk to them. Uh, that's This is the thing. I was like, holy shit. Carolina's kind of a big fucking deal. Carolina then is the first one to congratulate them. Say, so you're running the company. Well, Congrats. Rome says, yeah, great day, great week.
1: Was Carolina also the one that led Frank to the letter? Yeah. Because... She- Sheeps said, Frank, I got to talk about something. Hauled Frank away, and the next thing we have with Frank is Frank reading the letter.
0: Well, I think that I think that what what I had to interpret happened is that the people, the minions, were searching the house and searching the. They found the vault. The they things. opened the vault. <laughs> safe. Told, Carol, told carolina because Carolina is the fucking boss hog apparently, and she's the one who told the information out to Frank. That's how I've I viewed it. I think that's right. Rome says, yeah, great day, great week. They stand there for a second. Rome asks Kendall if he knew Logan did Sudoku. Kendall sort of waffles. Says He thinks he knows. Uh, Survey says? No. Kendall did not know. Kendall did not know.
1: They're both realizing how little they knew their dad.
0: Rome says, Jesus fucking Christ. Carolina Carolina asks if they're okay. She says she's sorry, but they're putting together a press release about it. Hugo says from a comms point. Look, and Spencer, this is strictly comms, okay? Just comms. Markets are going to open on Monday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Number mm -hmm. number of ways to solidify your position. I also like that Carolina drops this little bit. She says, hey, we did everything we could to burnish Logan's reputation before. So right there, she explains. We basically fucking lied for him all the time.
1: Happy to do do the same for you. you.
0: Hugo explains the first strategy as embalm linen.
1: I like how he puts that because I understood it immediately. It's like, I'm with you.
0: Go on. Carolina describes that as basically just linking them up to Logan. Play up the family, the piece of paper, the connections, stability, all of that. Hugo then mentions a second, more complex, fresh start.
1: An alternative, as it were.
0: And now, of the two, who wants to hear about the second one?
1: Kendall. Kendall. He says, go
0: on. Roman stays tight-lipped, and, Roman, and Kendall just says, go on. Carolina says there is going to be an issue about your competence. Boy, whew, she must feel real secure in her job because she just drops that shit on the new CEO's 20 minutes in. Well, it, hey, people are, go- people are going to think you two are stupid, okay?
1: Well, if, And if she's treating Kendall Ooh. the same way she was treating Logan, we again have a sign of how powerful Carolina was or how unique her position was.
0: I said, yeah, or, Even if she didn't talk to Logan that way, I still think it's an indication of her strength that she feels like she can talk to these two that way. She says they could stress how involved they've already been. Oh boy. I knew where this was going. How Logan was losing his focus toward the end Roman. So it's operation shit on dad. She says, no, 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 no. Roman says, yes, it is. Kendall says the piece of paper is strong. So he, he is picking up on the fact that Roman doesn't like this and he doesn't want to riff with Roman right away in front of him, in front of him. Roman asks if she thinks the people are going to buy. Logan Roy was a puppet. Hugo goes on. Says, Carolina, by the way, gets a little defensive when he says that. She just goes, "Well, it's just a fucking idea, basically." She doesn't say "fucking," but she says, "Yeah, it's just an idea." Roman, it's just an idea. Like, man, she's snapping back at him too. Hugo goes on, says, "Logan Roy is a great man. However, lately the people around him have been making the big decisions. His kids have been pulling the strings." Which is complete bullshit, by the way. The kid's had nothing to do with his, his decision-making hey, in the final days.
1: This is the narrative they can paint.
0: I mean, we could go as far as you would like. I wouldn't. But it is our job to say that we could go to Connor's mom. Oh! Physical, verbal abuse. Oh! The carry situation. Oh, my God.
1: We can burn your father down till have you be the phoenix rising from his ashes.
0: The carry situation. Holy smokes! You're gonna put that out there?
1: Yeah, happily.
0: Roman Roman cuts him off. Says, "Okay, whoa, 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 all right." Roman says, "I do have a certain feelings of queasiness of shitting on our dad while he's still at." Frankie Campbell's
1: which is a funeral home on Madison Avenue which I did not know I googled it
0: yeah I, go- I googled that too yeah I thought I, I, I uh, yeah I thought it maybe it was like semi-famous to get that line but I don't know for sure Kendall says right now uh, I, I say you know our dad just died maybe we shouldn't shit on dad and then Roman drops this thanks Carolina you two fuck face how about you not bring us this disgusting shit ever again Okay, thanks. You notice how Carolina gets her name, Carolina. Yeah, Hugo gets fuckface. Uh,
1: again, test statement of their their respective power.
0: Hugo mutters apologies. We see Kendall thinking. We see Kendall has a piece of paper, and he is looking at a name that was underlined or crossed out.
1: And you'll never know for sure. Thank you.
0: Shu. I'm voting. I'm voting crossed
1: out. I'm, v- I'm voting crossed v- out. Voting crossed out. But. He never would have pondered it if ship hadn't brought it up to him.
0: Walks through the house. Kendall goes up to Hugo. You know, the stuff, the bad dad stuff, it's what he would do. He'd want this for the firm. So action that, but soft, no Prince. Hugo's like, I don't want to do that. Can I get a sign off on somebody? He's like, no, unless you want me to pull out the strap on Hugo just nods and Kendall for the first time on episode. Gives a big, broad smile to someone, and and I just felt the shape shifting into Logan happening. Yeah, Uh, Logan. That was a Logan line. That was absolutely a Logan line, hundred percent. And now we have come upon the end of the episode, sir.
1: The king is dead. Long live the king.
0: Long live the king. All right. Best line of the episode.
1: Uh, We've got a few. Uh, and just for the record for everybody, um, I know my audio quality has been kind of rough. I can see it as I'm going through this. I've already bought a mic midway through this episode, so we'll get that fixed for next week. But best quotes of the episode. Uh, let's see here. Early on. You bought
0: a mic midway through the episode? I was
1: frustrated as I'm watching the audio just warble about.
0: Look at that. Look at the, look at the fucking – you can do two things at once. Multitasking.
1: Indeed. Situation. And like where's – where? Uh, you know, where's Carrie? Uh, in Marsh's trunk, inside an anaconda, inside a sarcophagus? Who knows? Great funny opening line. Uh, let's see here. For some of us, it's a sad day, but for others, it's Coronation Demolition Derby. To do, to do the deal, I'd get it done. Buckle into your golden parachute, Carl. Well, <laughs> don't push me out of the plane so fast, Jerry. Well, with the old man gone, I can't help but wonder if I don't have a little bit left to give. Look, look, I think you were a corporate legend. What you did in the 90s with Cable, huge. Hey, Logan was souring on you. Well, Logan's not around anymore. Great exchange between the the, uh, gray hairs back and forth. Uh, You already did it, so I won't do it again. But Carl's Takedown of Tom is one for the history books. It's just great. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Wila, look how far you've come. Yep. Look how... Well, look at us both, right? Great rejoinder from her there. Uh, the back and forth that is occurring on the subject of, uh, wait, wait, what am I doing this here? Uh, the back and forth between Carl and Frank on the subject, and also Jerry later on, on the subject of that piece of paper getting flushed down the toilet. I've had conversations like that before. That was just funny seeing that uh, shown on the screen.
0: Uh, <laughs> that is a funny joke. Great funny joke, very joke, funny, joke, guys.
1: In, 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 in a very comic mode, humorous vein. Um, the uh, code that the, the siblings go through is they're reading through the newspapers. Uh, I mean, starting off with you know uh, Shiv's talking about how, be honest, this dad sounds amazing. I would like to meet this dad. Then going through you know the, debating their grief guy to then reading through the newspapers and going through what a complicated man means, what a sharp reader of the national mood. It's just funny stuff. This is the siblings having fun with each other in, sadly, what may be one of the last ways because one of them now has a toy that the other ones lack and they can never forgive that. Particularly not given that's going to change Kendall's mindset, too. Yep. Uh, Shiv, underlined or crossed out? Again, it's going to resonate in Kendall's head forever. But his response mm-hmm. to her about... Well, it sure as fuck doesn't say shiv. Woo! Hell the line back. Uh, Ken, uh Kendall, and, Kendall and Frank, he made me hate him and then he died. I feel like he didn't like me. And Frank, oh, no, 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 no. Come on. You think these grand horror things at times like this, like ice shelves are gonna come at us in the night and take our heads off. It's not true. He was an old bastard and he loved you. He loved you. It, it's a powerful and meaningful exchange between these characters. And it... I feel like each of these episodes, Frank's the one that says the human thing. Uh, he does. Roman and Marcia. Marsha, was that... That was unnecessary, right? We're calling Carrie a taxi to the subway so that she can go home to her little apartment. Oh, God. Woo! Again, I think Carl wins. Still, hell of a gut shot. Uh, let's see here. Uh... No, I just jump down to the last line of the episode. No, pal, no. Down low. Just get on it. Unless you want me to pull out the strap-on. As you said, that and the smile that Kendall puts on afterwards, who needs a Ouija board? Uh, Logan is here. He is present in the room.
0: So I think that my honorable mention is going to be Kendall's line to Hugo about pulling out the strap-on because I feel like that's when, you know, like Robin – Robin takes off the Robin costume and starts to put on the Batman costume. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to pick a different line because I feel like this is when this is when it really happened. You know, you you always kind of like go back to like, okay, well, yeah, of course, that's when the vote happened. But like, when did people decide? How did people decide? What was the thing that what was the the initial thing that caused all of this? I think this is where when the board, board voted, we can trace a line back to this moment. Roman, I think we all know that Dad had soured on Jerry. Jerry, I don't think there's anything oh, sure. to that effect. On paper, Roman, hmm, Jerry, but I'm not going to push it.
1: That was powerful. Cause it, it, that was a certain element of you know the student becomes the master because it was Jerry was always lecturing him on the subject of you know pick your moment, pick your opportunity, pick how it benefits you. And in that moment, Jerry realized that he was holding cards and willing to play cards that she was not prepared to counter.
0: Yep, and that's when, when as soon as, because Jerry was the only reasonable candidate well, based on earlier discussions can, from the Greybeards.
1: Carl's halfway to a Greek Isle. He was never going to be a big deal. Jerry was the one that was the potential, just like you said. And the moment that Roman says, mm-hmm, that non-verbal, barely verbal response is enough to completely eliminate any potential rival.
0: All right, it's time for Roy of the episode.
1: Uh, we want to do winner or loser first.
0: I say we do loser first.
1: uh, Forgive us internet. Shiv. Come on. Shiv.
0: It is definitely Shiv.
1: She, she's getting hit from all directions this episode. And she doesn't, she doesn't have enough of an opportunity to get up off the mat to even ponder where she's going to go next. She just keeps getting knocked down by different things.
0: I think it's gotta be Shiv. Um, I was rooting for Shiv. I thought that, uh, yeah, you know, I, th- I think she's the most capable of the three and she's had a good season so far. But I think, you know, when, when Kendall was able to, A, wave the piece of paper around, B, buddy with Roman and then C, throw the experience thing in her face. I think it was too much for her to to fight in the moment and she had to back off and, of it.
1: And she comes across as eminently sympathetic throughout much of this. We feel bad for her. I mean, we're holding our breath with respect to decisions that she makes because of the power that she could potentially have here. But she's. At least to the present, she's dealing with pain from all sorts of directions, she's enduring it alone, and what she thought was her main support network has now essentially cast her aside and viewed her as a junior member at best. That ain't yep.
0: good. She, I, I'd it's say, not at, all.
1: at a minimum, she's the Roy that appeared to have lost the most this episode.
0: I would agree with that. How about the winner? Kendall? So, I think Kendall's the obvious choice, right?
1: He, he's inevitably going to get in his own way. It's freaking Kendall. He's going to get high on his own
0: supply and get himself. Hey. But. What, I don't, whoa, whoa. It, it, th- I don't, he's I don't, done don't like it anything before. about what you said. He'll do it again. I don't like anything about what you said. I don't like the, I don't like the metaphor. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> I don't like anything of this. Um, <laughs> but. Although for, you're, probably, you're probably right. For yeah. now. But that's not the point. For now. Seems like he's the um, winner. All right, can we can we can we take for the winner? Let's take all the kids off the table because we don't know how this is going to shake out. Okay, I think it's got to be Willa. Oh, sure, she's a member of the family now. She's coming up. She's a, she can be. She, it's her first first episode where she's she's available to be picked for Roy of the episode, she can, and she comes in swinging. She gets nothing but wins, and now she's going to move into that apartment.
1: And has plans for it.
0: <laughs> she will not be taking a taxi to the subway back to her little apartment.
1: Is her mom going to live there with them?
0: Oh, of course, you know, of course, of course,
1: absolutely be rude. Not to
0: she's a thousand percent making that happen. Uh, so, yeah, I feel I feel really good about Will. I think she's the winner.
1: I, I'm still thinking it's Kindle, but I, I think while uh, for, for no other reason that it's her first time on the charts and she still does so well with it, I think she's got to get at least an honorable mention for winner.
0: Okay, Spencer's relationship advice of the episode.
1: Uh, one that you already mentioned, business deals and requests for favors at a family funeral do not go hand in hand. Don't do that.
0: Ever. Never. That was tough. That was that, tough. I mean, it, it, it was it, it was Marcia. It worked. But that is threading the needle because most of the time you're doing one of two things. You're wildly, wildly offending the widow or you're taking advantage of the widow
1: completely there with you i would say 99 times out of 100 pick the next day it's fine but at the funeral you will the room will see you as a bastard and particularly the person you're trying to do business with
0: son Uh, of a bitch i agree
1: in terms of family events and funerals funerals will bring people out of the woodwork like nobody's business and sadly a lot of them will be looking for favors and handouts in all kinds of ways it could be a wonderful moment for family to come together it also can be for a moment to see some of the family members of the, some of the family events you most didn't want to see again. I'd say, in terms of balance for me, most of the funerals I've been to have been positive events. Most of the times they've been opportunities for people to come together. I have seen the exceptions. To I'm curious your thoughts, though. Have, what, 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 you, you've been to, like, what, five or six funerals yourself? What, how, what, what yeah, was probably, you?
0: probably even more. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I've never really experienced that in my family. Um, my family of funerals tend to be pretty straightforward i mean i think people are just grieving and upset i have been to funerals of not my family though where i felt like a lot of jockeying was going on i've also seen situations again not in my family where you basically have to lock down the house because
1: someone's gonna loot it before you get back
0: exactly like some some fucking cousin shows up and starts taking all the suits out of the closet or starts taking all the watches out of the Chester drawer are like just what the fuck ever, and it becomes so hard to reel all that stuff back in, and then you have to you know the whoever is the rightful heir to the stuff has to make the decision, do I really? You know, involve a lawyer. Do I really make a big thing of this or not? You know, and it's a really, t- that's a really tough call. If you know, somebody from your family came in and improperly took a piece of something and you have to figure out, do I track this down and make a big deal about it or not? I can't imagine that that's got to be really hard. So yeah, lock the house down, but, um, I have seen some jockeying at, at, at funerals before, but I'll tell you, I've also been to funerals where, um, there's been an awful lot of drinking. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you. I don't know if you've yeah. noticed that. It seems to that seems to have picked up over the years. People people get blasted at funerals now.
1: I, I've been. In, I, it's an interesting call. I I have seen. I've been to more. Uh, I'll call them wet funerals over the last ten years than anything than anything in the preceding t- uh, two decades before that.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a strange thing, and that that kind of changes the dynamic a little bit because the people start talking freely and start saying things that they may or may not mean. So, and, and, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I stay pretty tight lipped at funerals. I get I'm a, I'm a big crier, so I'm usually crying, um, and I'm usually just trying to support whoever the widow or the the kids are or whatever. In reference
1: to you talking about you know people looting the house, I was at one funeral of where the kids uh, were trying to empty out the family house before the widow could get back to her own home. Yep, they weren't. It happens. They weren't dead. It wasn't an empty house. She just wanted to go home and found that people were already were shit. Good God!
0: Yeah, she was gonna. She was gonna keep living there. Yes,
1: she was going back home and at the taking, end of the day. And to... they're
0: taking shit out of the house. Unbelievable!
1: As I said, some real bastards can come out of the woodwork. Be careful with yourself. Uh, and on that same point, this episode does highlight that whatever relationships you thought you had, and whatever value or commodity value you thought they had, while the person was still alive. In the end, if they were not papered, they matter for nothing. Carrie had the ear of God, but God is dead, and Marsh is the only one who has a name on paper that matters. And you get to see that play out in the world, that if you want to protect yourself, if you want to have your own, you know, things guaranteed, have your role in the will, have your role in the circumstances written down in that particular manner, because if it's just on a promise, if it's just on an assurance, if it's just on a guarantee that can be worth nothing but words by the time that person has now left the mortal coil.
0: I know enough about things to say this. That was not legal advice. However, legal musings. I mean, that was, that was more, that was more legal musings than relationship advice to the episode. That, That
1: was legal musings coupled with relationship advice. Yes.
0: Ah, I see. Okay. Well, I agree with everything you said. Um, it is a shame, but when you start talking about inheritance, people see free money, money, I don't have to work for, Money that can be given to me change my life, and people get really excited. And um, you know, it can it can bring out it, bad things in people. Um, sadly, that, that's that's unfortunate. Uh, but not everybody, but some people. Okay, what else you want to talk about, Spencer? Anything else about the episode?
1: That, that's all I got from me, man. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Did you watch the preview?
0: Never do. <sighs> Certainly did not.
1: Unspoiled as always. Well, man, it's going to be an exciting one.
0: Yeah, sure will. Thanks everybody for for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you're joining this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. Please let us know what you're thinking. Go to MangumTalks.com, upper right-hand corner, click Contact Us form, let us know, or you can contact us at Facebook.com slash MangumTalks or at MangumTalks on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'll be back with you next week to review Season 4, Episode 5 of Succession. Thanks, everybody, and have a great week.